Hello everyone and welcome back to a theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo and I'm joined this evening as always by president of the Wilford Brimley fan club, Paul Giroux. Watch Clark and watch him close. He ate my Quaker oatmeal and he took my <laughs> diabetes medication. <laughs> and disembodied spider head thing, Sean Doyle. What? What will come out no more? This month's letter was T, and my co-host here decided it was time for me to watch The Thing. Does this classic thriller still pack a punch? Let's find out. First, how are you, gentlemen? Let me tell you guys, if way back when we started this podcast, when we did the letter A, if you had asked me, Paul, how many movies do you think you will suggest that have Wilford Brimley in them? I would not have said definitely more than one. That would not have been my answer. <laughs> Yo, so I was thinking about that, too. I know we haven't gotten to uh, Chris's question or any of our intro crap, but I was thinking that, too, when I realized <laughs> Wilfred Brimley was in this. I was like, been, there must have been at least one other actor that's been in two movies we've watched, right? Or is Wilfred Brimley now in a commanding lead? I don't know. I, I got to go back and look now. Yeah, Sylvester yeah. Stallone. So you, we watched... Sylvester Stallone watched like six movies. Of well, yeah, yeah, but that know. was all like that <laughs> was we only one picked episode. Rocky. Yeah, we only picked Rocky. Well, there's only been one Rob Schneider. There's only been one Pauly Shore, which is a problem. There should be more Pauly Shore. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously, the, the the demand is there. All right, I'll, like ha- I'll have to like, I'll have to IMDb everything Schneider. and like start a board. You know what I mean? Like start a um. Like a, a crazy person board with the strings and the text. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a, a murder board. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I want red strings going across my room with thumbtacks. <laughs> Sherry's going to leave you, and it's going to be our fault. And and then and then I'm going to go. Do you guys know what this means? Like I have to. You have to like talk like that when you have a murder board. <laughs> it means you're scaring your child, and I need you to stop it. Ugh. <laughs> oh. All right, sorry. You asked. Uh, you asked how we're doing. I guess I'll go first. Um, uh, <laughs> so I, I don't have a lot more to uh, report since I saw each of you over the weekend. Um, I guess since that time, I will say Chris's kid introduced my kid to a game called Goat Simulator, and this house has been nothing but Goat Simulator <laughs> for like the past three days. It's nuts. Like he's just I'm like so sorry. I know he's like. Well, when when John showed him the game, he's like, "Dad, this is the game I've always dreamed of. This is the game I've always wanted." <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, we'll get the goat simulator, you know." And <laughs> now he's like licking people and dragging them into traffic, and it's it's, it's, uh, it's I saw it's disturbing. I I had heard of the game before, and I saw a trailer for it on the the eShop, and. Was I watched it with John and I thought it looked hilarious, but I was like, I'm not spending money on this. This <laughs> this looks ridiculous. What you're gonna play this for five seconds and get bored? And then it he kept asking to see the trailer for like a couple of months, and he never forgot about it. And for Christmas, I was like, you know what? You've earned it. You stuck with it. <laughs> Goat Simulator is yours. It's on sale for six dollars. Goat Simulator is yours. So I, I ponied up the six bucks and I bought him Goat Simulator. And he obsessively played it for, like, two weeks solid of just, like, it, it was just nonstop goat simulating. And his cousin now wants it. His 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 aunt, my, my sister-in-law, messaged me earlier today about, you know, how does she find goat simulator on the, uh, 
on the shop so that she can buy it for him. And I'm like, wow, this is spreading like wildfire. Yeah. I'm sorry. Your kid is definitely spreading the word. Um, yeah, we didn't we didn't really spend real money on it. We had it's it was basically a Christmas present. He had a gift card that he got from my brother, but yeah, he spent it on Goat Simulator, and that's all he's been doing for the past whatever you know for the past week. That's all he's been doing now. Um, and then it's a weird game, but you know what? If it brings him joy, and that was that's what I kept saying to John. Like he was really happy when he's playing it. So you know what? fine I'm, I'm it's it's fine it's it's uh no less annoying than listening to him watch dipshits on youtube so and when you think about six dollars versus hours of joy i mean dollars per hours of joy is there's a good return on that investment there <laughs> yeah yeah you bought him legit toys that if you do the math are not going to stack up no to goat totally. simulator. yeah he's, he's going to get a lot more mileage out of this goat simulator um yeah, and then I guess the other thing uh, in the past couple of days is like uh, there's something going on with my eye. Like uh, it's like uh, I think it's like on the inside of my eyelid. I don't really know. I th- like uh, I think it's one of those things called like a sty, where it's like a weird irritation, but then like your eye swells up. So I haven't been wearing my contact lenses because like I keep seeing this thing like underneath my eye where it's like swollen. And I don't want to get to worse. So it's not swollen like, you know, like it's not like cut me, make cut me, um, but like, uh, <laughs> like kind of when I look I at. I understood that reference. <laughs> yes, yeah, now you get that. Um, but like when I look at the bottom of my eye, like, like it kind of looks like, uh, like, um, remember in in Empire Strikes Back before they put the, like before they put the the CGI, like, uh, you know the um, sorry, what's the word I'm looking for the um. Uh, what's the word where it's like not the person there, but it's like a like a projection of them hologram hologram. I'm looking for yeah. Before they put the hologram of the em- emperor there, like when they had the other guy that played it, and he like kind of looked like a weird baboon face guy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he had like the big bug bugged out eyes. And yeah, he just sounded like a deep voiced dude. Like it looked like he had play doh all around his eyes. Like that's what. Yeah. That's kind of like what the bottom of my eye looks like. So, all know. right, it's better here's, than it was yesterday. But here's your medical advice. Yeah, because you know, I I just give medical advice now. What you want to do, rinse it out really good, right? Warm water. Make sure you flush it real good, and then a nice tight packing of oregano, right up against <laughs> your eye. Close your eye, pack it tight with oregano, eye patch. Go to sleep. You wake up in the morning. Million bucks. This doesn't seem like a real thing. <laughs> but you'll smell great and delicious. You will be hungry for garlic bread in the morning. I was just going to say. A, that's not a real thing. I wouldn't do that. I'm going to do <laughs> but I think oregano. You should. I'm going to do oregano <laughs> and garlic. And then, like, you know how people put cucumbers on their eyes? I'm going to do pepperoni. Nice. <laughs> nice. I'm excited. You're going to have a lot of, lot of, uh, clogged pores in that whole area but <laughs> by god everyone's gonna want to go to lunch with you but then my left eye is gonna match my right eye so it'll be okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh oh you're speaking of uh, showing up at the bar i didn't read you he, 
So we all met up at the bar, and his kid <laughs> brought a game that he made out of, like, cards that he must have stole out of your garage from, like, the late 80s, early 90s, and it was just this <laughs> mix match. I, you sent the text about it. I didn't see the text till afterwards. So I sat down at the bar, and your kid took out this box of cards. That wasn't even a box. It was a Bill and Ted telephone booth from, like, the cereal box, but it was missing the sticker. It, it, was, it was a Bill and Ted uh, uh, case from the cereal box, and it was supposed to hold cassette tapes. It was supposed to hold three cassette oh. tapes, but now it holds uh, mismatched cards. And he took this out and started going through, and, and me and him had a little conversation about it, and I, I had a great time. I don't want any more prefaces from you about things like that. Just You can preface Chris, give you know warnings and heads up all you want. I don't want any warnings and heads up. I had way more fun doing that on the fly. I was just like, this is great. I don't know what you got going on here, but... I like where your head's at. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, like, I was worried about it because he gets something in his head and it's like, nope, that's it. We all have to play this game that doesn't make sense. And, like, furthermore, I knew the game would not make sense. Like, like he gets <laughs> stuff in his head and then I'm like, well, what are the rules? And then he's like, well, you know, I think. And I'm like, you haven't <laughs> thought of the rules of this game. There's no rules. Um, so I was like, he's going to expect everybody to play and it's going to be a mess. Um, and then, yeah, when we were all standing across the room drinking, he was over there with that other kid with um, Jason's son. And they're like playing it. Like, and I was like, all right, I don't know what's happening here, but like, I am okay with this. Right. Like. This is great. It was, uh, yeah, I, I like where his head's at. That uh, that that goat game you brought was pretty cool too. Not this a totally different kind of goat game, but it is truly the year of the goat. Yeah, it, it truly a, is a lot going on with goats this weekend. Uh, what, what, how are you, Sean? Tell us about you. I don't. I don't know. Uh, nope. I got nothing. Uh, work <laughs> sucks. Board games are great. Uh, I love the movie we just watched. That was, that was that was the highlight of my week. Was the the bar with you guys, and then uh, then this movie. Boring week. I don't know. We're in the middle of the winter. There's not a lot going on. You know, it's not the holidays. It's just you know you got to get through January and February and get back to you know good stuff. Doing shit outdoors. Yeah, yeah. It's not a lot. It's, you know. That's fair. Go to work. Yeah, yeah. The boring months. What are you going to do? Yeah, I know. I had a uh I had a couple of things that were giving me a ton of anxiety and uh I had a I had a job interview that I'm I'm hoping that I got and then I got a uh, uh I I had an interview with a guy um for the magazine I write for. I I interviewed this guy. It was my first solo interview and uh that went real. That went. That went entirely too well. Actually, the guy wound up talking to me for three hours. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right. Well, this is supposed to be transcribed and put in a magazine. You just gave me like a book. So that's a, <laughs> that's a three hours of content. I, I'm I'm gonna have to like pare down. But uh, so that went really well. Uh, I I haven't slept in a while, so I'm a little loopy tonight. So I guess apologies if I start making absolutely no sense in this. Uh this regard and uh, going to the bar with you guys was was fantastic uh getting to see our friend john wentz for the first time in ages and um uh then greg came over and watched the thing and that was also pretty fun so so you had the same highlights i had good stuff yeah, good stuff all right well let's go down the uh let's go down the basics here uh the thing was released on june tw- wait 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 does, does paul need to address hollywood for anything this week <laughs> 
I think I'm going to do it at the end. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll do I'll it. Do I'll do it after we talk about the movie, but before we pick our next movie. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, in that case, the thing was released on June 25th. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you watched the thing released in June 25th, 1982. That's not what we discussed. I'm pretty sure Paul told me to watch the 2011 version. <laughs> Touche, Sean. Touche. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Maybe we'll let you talk. <laughs> I, I happen to know that you, you didn't you watch... The the prequel, the 2011 one, and the 1950s one? I, I did. I, I, I watched the one we were supposed to watch, the 1982 one. I put the other two on. I had seen them both before, and I enjoyed them both, and we'll discuss them as we go through a little bit. But the, uh, I, I kind of like half-watched those two. Like I was doing work and stuff. I, I got you beat. I went down a further rabbit hole. I did that too, and then I also listened to the audio book of the novel it was based on. <laughs> So whoa, boom, yeah. boom. Wow. mic drop. Because I'm dedicated to the craft. That's why. <laughs> All right. The thing was released on June 25th, 1982. It was distributed by Universal Pictures. It was directed by John Carpenter with screenplay by Bill Lancaster. The film is based on the 1938 novella Who Goes There by John W. Campbell. John Carpenter's other works include Halloween, They Live, Escape from New York, and of course, Big Trouble in Little China. I had to mention that one. Lancaster's other works include screenplays for the Bad News Bears movies. Uh, It's a different movie from both the 1951 movie The Thing from Another World and the 2011 movie The Thing, both of which are unique adaptations of the same source material. Uh, the movie stars Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, and Keith David, among others, and it tells the story of a group of dudes in the Antarctic who encounter a sort of weird shape-shifting alien who either wants to kill everyone or just wants directions home nobody ever actually stopped to ask. <laughs> um, I watched this movie in my house with Greg and Karen on a Blu-ray that I borrowed from my dad. I attempted to make an ice cream cookie sandwich to eat with it, but the cookies were way too crunchy, and it devolved into a delicious mess. Mm devolved just like the thing does oh no um i watched it on my uh i watched it on dvd i have the dvd to this um i uh i watched it over a week ago really i've been trying you know because we usually watch it right before we record i mean i've been trying to talk myself out of watching this for a whole month because i've been so excited about this like i could watch this movie every day um so uh yeah i did i did sort of go down some rabbit holes like i just told sean i listened to the audiobook i you know i watched i didn't watch the 50s one but i watched like youtube clips of it um and then after i watched the thing i also watched the prequel and i thought we were recording last week so i did i did all this last week um uh <laughs> and then uh what i consumed during the movie i I did, uh, I, I put some thought into it this time, like, like Sean does, you know, Sean's always like talking about like I ate jelly beans and ham or whatever. And that's like the movie. Um, I actually, uh, I actually tried to put some thought into this. Uh, my brother-in-law gave us these, um, hot chocolate balls. Like it's like you, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you put the I've hot chocolate those. ball in the mug and then you pour like warm milk over it. Cause if you pour warm water over it it's just gross so you gotta like heat up milk and pour warm milk over it and then like it kind of melts and then the 
hot chocolate and marshmallows that are all inside like permeate through the thing and you you know stir it up um i kind of thought hot chocolate bomb yeah well i guess like the thing like the bomb opening up i guess that's more like ridley scott alien than john carpenter's the thing but like felt like that was sort of applicable and then also i just felt like everybody in this movie needed a cup of hot cocoa um (laughs) so that was another reason i chose it and i'm gonna tell one further part of this story um and my wife is going to be mortified that I tell, told this on the podcast. Uh, she she was remarking about how long it had been since she'd seen this movie. Then she kind of like looked down and stirred her hot cocoa. While she was doing that, I took the time to implement my joke. So I implemented my joke so it was ready when she looked back up. So it went like this. She said, wow, it's been a long time since I've seen The Thing. She looks down. Oh, she no. stirs her cocoa. Oh no! <laughs> I put my joke into play. She looks back up, and without missing a beat, she goes, "You should put your pants back on." <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was how I watched this movie. <laughs> well played, sir. Well did, played. Did you put your pants back on? <laughs> of course not. It's his home. <laughs> yeah. We're all recording without pants now. Honestly, when Greg texted that in the chat that was like, you should all record without pants for the Patreon, I was like, that's perfect for the thing. We can all be the thing. (laughs) Oh, speaking of Greg, Greg ate, and this I thought was very strange. Uh, I didn't mention it at the time, but he had a box of those little Valentine's candy hearts. That was his snack. The little ones that like little chalk, chalk things. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's not Valentine's Day yet. It's not Valentine's Day yet, and I didn't know people voluntarily ate those. Well, also, <laughs> especially not out of out of season. I it was a. Uh, it really took me aback, and yeah. I, I didn't say anything. Did he have them left over from last Valentine's Day? That's a good question. That's the only I, option. I don't, I don't know. I don't, is the Valentine's I'm sure Day they're for out? sale now. That stuff got put out in grocery stores the day after Christmas. Oh yeah. All right. I, I, you know what? I'm pretty sure they don't make them since well, that. That's the joke, right? They haven't made them since the '60s. It's the same ones. Yeah. They just keep. <laughs> they don't, you know, it's chalk and sugar. So whether he bought them this year or last through. year, the ones he's eaten were probably batch. made in the '80s. So it doesn't. <laughs> and cares if he held on to them for a year. Be mine. Stay cool. Be. I don't know what the kind of stuff they say. <laughs> I, I bet if you could get a box from where we were kids, there's some inappropriate stuff on those hearts that's no longer on those hearts. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> Go to town. Eat my shorts. I don't know. I uh, caramba. Yeah. The, uh, I watched it on our uh, the, the TV we won in the video arcade, and the uh, I ate... Uh, I, 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 we watched it in the morning, which is not a normal time to watch this movie, but it's this it's how this went down. You know, woke up, it was like a Sunday morning, I was like, I'm watching the thing. Jack was like, okay. And I was like, what 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 could we eat that's the thing? And we're looking around and she was like, there's those weird egg things in the fridge that you keep saying, I don't want to eat that thing. And I was like, <laughs> You're right, I'll eat that thing. She she gets those like Hello Fresh boxes and every now and then they throw some random thing in there that like that they want you to start buying. And it came with like these, I don't know, these little pods and you put the pod in the microwave and you open it up and it's like an egg and spinach and feta cheese 
like it holds its own shape. Does that make any Sounds sense? Terrifying. Like it's in a plastic thing that you kind of like peel open and it plops out on your plate and it, it holds that pod shape once it's cooked. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was definitely best described as an egg thing because that, that's <laughs> where it was. And whiskey because it was the weekend. So fuck it. Eggs and whiskey for breakfast while I watched the thing. <laughs> Real whiskey. That's, uh, yeah, R.J. McCready style. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not. Uh, what does he drink? Does he drink Jim Beam? What's he got in there? I don't remember now. He drinks. He drinks some shitty whiskey. I, I drink. I, I had nice whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fancy like that. Well, I think a lot of times when we unpack these movies and we start, like first of all. We're always all over the map. Like, we talk about the end of the movie, and then we talk about the middle, and then the beginning, and then the middle again. Um, and, like, I think, um, you know, I think part of me wants to unpack this linear- linearly a little bit, because um, there's, like, there's just so much in this movie. I don't want to, I don't want to miss anything. Um, but then also... I agree. I would like to kind of... Go. I I had some real thoughts at the beginning of this movie. I, well, this was quite a journey. That's what, I, what that's what I was going to ask you, Chris. Um, the, the other thing we usually do when we start is, in this case, like this is a thing that Sean and I have seen many many times, and you were you were new to this movie, and I'm also kind of glad that you only watched it yesterday because you haven't had a chance to like go down a rabbit hole and like learn some of the other behind the scenes things about this movie. So. Instead of asking you what you thought about the movie, I'm kind of interested in asking you what your first impressions were of the movie. Like, what what was your impression of the beginning of the movie? Because i i can't I can't unsee this movie. I can't go back to before I saw it. But I can only imagine being like knowing a little bit about the movie and then it's about um um you know a monster and it's a horror movie and whatever and then starting that movie with the men in the helicopter shooting at the dog um and yeah I'll shut up and let you talk well um I thought the beginning of the movie was kind of funny right I'm poking fun like wow these guys suck at hunting this dog like this really seems like a one-sided hunting trip right here. Like these assholes are chasing his poor dog around trying to shoot him in a helicopter. And like, it kept escalating. I'm like, Jesus, like in order to have a helicopter and chasing after this dog to try to hunt it, these rich assholes, they must have done this before, right? How are they this bad at shooting this dog? And then like, they shot the dude trying to, while they were trying to shoot the dog. And it was like, what an asshole. Go get him. And then, like, geez, it must have been, like, 20 minutes or so into the movie before I was like, I think the dog's important. <laughs> like, I didn't realize, I didn't even occur to me that it wasn't some sort of weird gag. And it was like, something's up with that dog. Oh, shit. That dog's, like, is that dog the thing? I don't know what the thing is. What? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um. I wrote a bunch of notes for the beginning. Um, boy, they really hated that dog. Uh, oh, they had an Asteroids Deluxe machine. That was freaking cool. That their, was the arcade cabinet they had. Was, yeah, that was, that was Asteroids Deluxe. I thought that was really neat. Um, and then I wrote, 
should I not trust that dog? <laughs> okay, I definitely don't trust the dog, and I can't shake the feeling this whole movie could have been prevented if that Norwegian dude was a better shot. Um, or if any of them understood Norwegian, uh, because uh, yeah, apparently what he says in, in Norwegian is something along the lines of, that's not a dog, that's some kind of thing, get away from it, don't touch it. Um, you know, before he, he dies. Uh, so if, if any of those people understood Norwegian, like the movie averted, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who dives after a live grenade? What kind of move was that? <laughs> that that's a runaway situation. He goes to throw the grenade and it like flops out of his hand and the other guy goes digging for it. Like, what are you doing? Right. Like, look, your, your hands are cold. You're in the Arctic. You got thick mittens on. I look, you dropped it fine i'm not even gonna hold that against him <laughs> you drop a live grenade there's one direction to go it's any direction any direction is the right direction except towards the grenade another I, this one's more of an overall thing about this movie was that uh karen pointed out and i have to agree with her i feel like a lot of things would have went differently if there was at least one woman out there with them because there were a lot of doodly decisions being made throughout the course of this movie <laughs> and uh i mean it was a dangerous situation don't get me wrong but this was a bunch of dudes doing dude stuff like <laughs> there was definitely a lot of dudeness happening and i feel like there were there were options to do things differently at some point i don't know what they would have been but i'm just saying that, that that was the situation but yes that was the beginning of the movie for me was like the first thing that struck me was the production value of like, this doesn't look like a movie that's as old as I am just about like the, yeah. just the, 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 the film quality of everything. It didn't look like it was shot. Like it didn't look like it was shot a long time ago. It looked really clean. It might've just been the Blu-ray transfer that I had, but just the, the way it was put together felt very modern, which I was really impressed by. And the fact that they, totally threw me for a loop with that dog like just completely got me with that dog now i do also want to say um that uh, i was very impressed by the movie and i appreciated it but i did not enjoy it oh wow this is very much not my kind like i don't like horror movies and this is very much the kind of horror movie that i don't like I appreciated it very much. I was very impressed by it. This is a very good movie, but it is, I found it to be very unpleasant. <laughs> like <laughs> as soon as, as soon as it was done, I turned to Greg and said, well, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> this is, this is going to be tough for me uh, because this movie means a lot to me. Um, uh, I, I sort of went through two levels of fanaticism about this movie. Um, and I'd say the first level of fanaticism came when I was in high school. Um, I watched this movie a bunch of times. Uh, I, I watched it with Jed. This was one of our, this was kind of one of our go-to movies. I, I probably watched it with you too, Sean. I don't know. Um, uh, most likely. Yeah, most likely. I don't know where the hell Chris was when we were watching all these movies. But, um, <laughs> Not watching horror movies. Yeah, um, he was learning to play instruments. You and me just <laughs> didn't u utilize our time in such a wasteful fashion. Right. That or Super Mario Brothers. 
but the other yeah this was J- jed and i love this movie um we we he and i went through like a little bit of a john carpenter phase we watched this we watched big trouble in little china um uh escape from new york other ones that didn't have kurt russell in it um i think we really we like they live um, oh god keith, they live are you keith kidding David, me but it doesn't have kurt russell um but it's got rowdy rowdy, rowdy piper rowdy rowdy piper yeah um, i mean if you can't have kurt russell get rowdy <laughs> rowdy piper right um but uh yeah like like this movie always sort of felt like the the best of the sort of kurt russell offerings the the you know this weird synergy between John Carpenter and Kurt Russell um uh like you know god love kurt russell like he always knows what kind of movie they're making he never has to be like what like what what is this one john you know like like i i always felt like the character in big trouble in little china like jack burton was like you know a little more of a comedian you know like he was like he was cool like he was a badass but like it was more funny stuff than anything else and then um snake pliskin in uh whatever what uh, uh escape, escape from, from new, new york. york yeah like that almost feels like a parody of an action star um mm-hmm. and like like macready in in the thing like just always sort of hit that sweet spot for me where he was like he is such a badass um but like he also sort of has some of those zingers and those funny lines like he you know that the the thing where he talked about the Norwegian and he keeps calling them those crazy Swedes. Um, like there's just there's there's funny stuff that he does because it's just like he's McCready and he doesn't care. Like he's like he's too cool to get this right. You know. Um, you know he super underplays it in this. Whereas these those other two characters you pointed out, those are I mean, look, Big Trouble Little China is Kurt Russell, right? I mean that he that movie is just it's. It's him. That movie is not a thing without him. And then Snake Plissken is way over the top in in the direction that Snake Plissken is. McCready, I think you're right. I think he nails that sweet spot by underplaying it. He's not he's not overly comedic. He's got right. He's got a couple mildly funny lines about you know all those crazy Swedes or whatever. And then he's he's a badass, but he's not like he's not such a badass that it's a cliche. And he's not such a badass that he's owning it at any point, other than wearing that ridiculous hat that only a badass could pull off. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he's uh, the the character is extraordinarily well undersold. Like he undersells it perfectly in this. And and I think you're right. Whatever the 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 charisma, not charisma, the uh, the relationship between Carpenter and Kurt Russell, uh, it feels like. And I mean. Who knows? Maybe maybe it was very hands-on, but it just feels like uh, it feels like Kurt Russell was able to give Carpenter exactly what he needed for these different movies. And I guess that's what being an actor is. But I mean, he gave him very different characters that are all kind of the same. Like they're all tough guys. They're all um, they're all the badass tough guy in the movie, but they're very different. Yeah. And he sells them in a very different way in each movie. I agreed. The nuance that he brings to it, uh, it really is what is what makes these movies. Um, and uh, and just like all of these characters in this movie, I just felt like everybody was so real. Like I think I fell in love with the story and the characters when I was in high school. And then when I was in college, that was kind of my second level of fanaticism. Um, where I kind of like fell in with some film nerds and there was a lot of picking apart this movie as far as 
the special effects and the you know the the creature effects and what the the effects team was able to do without CGI without computers mm-hmm. um so they were gross yeah i uh, i uh, I know a lot more about this than um, probably anybody wants to hear. Uh, Hopefully I don't nerd out too much on the podcast, but (laughs) um, you know, uh, I've watched a lot of like behind the scenes things and stuff like that. And then some of what I know and like, I'm by no means the expert, but like some of what I know I've put together from watching it a bunch of times. And so like, I say to myself, like, all right, well, they must have had at least three different animatronic heads, um, you know, and this one worked this way. So, like, I, I, I guess I've always been thinking, like, what I know about the effects and then thinking about it and being like, oh, how did they do this or how did this part get done? So, um, so yeah. In regard to that, so a couple things. Uh, number one, you, we're in the sweet spot right here. I mean, uh, this is 82, which is a little on the early cusp of the uh, the bubble. But by 94, Jurassic Park, 93, and then like Terminator 2 was like 92, I think. Mm-hmm. By the time you hit like the early 90s and then forget about it by the late 90s, CGI is controlling the, the special effects universe. I mean, there's still some practical effects at that point, but... You know, Terminator Two, Jurassic Park, that's it. CGI has has won the war. Star Wars, Star Wars Episode One really pushed that over the edge. In with, what ninety uh, nine? Uh, yeah, with in ninety nine, Jar Jar Binks, and that was kind of the end of it. Then everybody was like, "Nah, fuck practical effects. We're just doing this it's, now. It's over, right?" Yeah. So, I mean, the uh, more the late eighties is about the the height of practical effects, right? That that you know they've stood on the shoulders of the giants. Before the mm-hmm. the the new the new era begins, right? That's as as far as it got. They were a little ahead of their time in '82. Here, I think they were. The, you know, this is the beginning of the crest, the beginning of the ultimate practical effects, right? Um, and then two other things uh, in in rewatching the old one. Uh, and I, so let me sum up the old one for. In, in, <laughs> I'll do the old one. You do the new one, Paul. Sure, sure. Just for Chris and the listeners, and we'll do it in like. We'll, I'm going to give myself like 60 seconds. The original 1951 thing, uh, people in the Arctic, they find a UFO, they dig out a body, the body melts, gets free, turns out the body is an alien, it comes back to life. It's not a shapeshifter, but it is made of vegetable material, so it grows like a vegetable, cellularly speaking. And there's this big, scary, the thing, walking around, and they they beat him up, and, and eventually they electrify him, and they kill him. Uh, and of course, as a scientist is like, we shouldn't kill him. Let's help him. And then, you know, the thing just beats everybody up and kills them. Um, all right. So that's that movie. Right now, the uh, I I say that in very quickly, very quick, brief synopsis uh, to say uh, a couple important things about it. One, uh, I, I in watching stuff on YouTube, I found that the, apparently that was the first movie where they did a full body burn. Right, which is a, a practical effect of sorts. It's a special effect. You got a guy fully on fire, uh, which I realized then that they did that in this one too. So it's a nice way to pay homage to it, right? They they really reached back and and you know, touched the touched the root of the old one. I said last time that I thought maybe they connected together. They don't, but there's that one scene in the new one that kind of sings back to it when they're watching the Norwegians' uh, mm-hmm. footage. It, it almost looks shot for shot like the footage from the old one where they find the thing in the ice. Um, and I, th- I think that was John Carpenter 
I think that was Amish. Tipping I think his that hat. was John right. Carpenter. Yeah. I like, think the like, I think the body fire was too. Not not that it didn't work in well, but I I mean they did the 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 guy completely lit on fire and then he runs out into the snow. Um which is what they did in the the 1951 almost shot for shot on that part too. I I think Carpenter was tipping his hat a bunch to the old one. Um and in in rewatching the old one, the thing the old one got right um was it it was great uh, and you mentioned about this one and this one got it right too it was the characters the characters were believable it was in an uh they just uh, there was like a charisma between them like you you bought it you bought into instantly you bought into this group of guys and who they were you, they didn't all get fleshed out before they were killed, right? You didn't get, you know, 100% fleshed out on each character before they started getting wiped out. But you got enough of each one that it felt cohesive. You felt the um, the camaraderie. You felt the, you know, the relationships between them. Um, and the old one did a good job of that, too. Um, there was a little less killing in the old one. I think most of the people survived. There's only a couple people who didn't. But the uh, uh, it was, especially in the 50s one, I mean science fiction wasn't known for doing a great job with character development and stuff. And they, they kind of, they all did a really good job of just being, uh, the characters that they were. And this 1982 one did the same thing. Like each one of the characters did a great job of being who they were. Um, and I, I think it, I think that goes real far into drawing you in when you're about to get hit with some out of this world stuff. I think the best example is probably abyss, uh, that movie, if if it didn't have, I don't know if you guys have seen The Abyss. Uh, yeah, but, I've seen it. Uh, it's a sci-fi movie. It's so character driven. Like, uh, I think if it didn't have such a great cast that did such a good job selling you on who they were in the beginning, um, that that movie would have fallen really flat. Um, and instead, you got. I mean, I I love that movie. Uh, I think it's phenomenally well done. Um, and just to, just to let Chris know, the old one did have a girl, and uh, she did add a lot. She was good. You're right. Listen, they... real quick, real quick. I know you want me to talk about the new one, but I have, like, I have so much to say about what you just said. And I also, at some point, we need to circle back and talk about the characters, because I have like a whole thing I need to say about the characters. But, uh, Sean, your unpacking of this 50s one. So... John Carpenter grew up on the on the fifties one on the 1951 movie, you know, like he watched that as a kid. And then in the eighties, you know, this was a thing uh, that he that he wanted to, um, you know, that he wanted to uh, um, do his own version of. So uh, what and and this sort of ties back to what uh, we were talking about with the beginning of the movie and the dog. So um, the. In the book, um, which I didn't, I didn't know any of this. Like, I know a lot about this 1982 movie. I didn't before we started doing this podcast. I didn't know a lot about the history of the story, um, and I found a lot of really interesting things in my deep dive. So, the the John Carpenter's one is is really close to the book more than more than any of the other ones. Um, the book, uh, all these characters, McCready, Blair, um, Dr. Copper, uh, Gary, like all of, all, a lot of John Carpenter's characters are in the book. And, um, 
you know, in the book, they find the spaceship, they dig up the, you know, the creature, the creature escapes from the block of ice. Um, uh, you know, then it starts, uh, infecting people or whatever. Uh, similarly to this movie, Blair gets very paranoid. You know, he tries to sabotage things. He doesn't want the infection to spread. Um, and, uh, at one point they decide they're going to do a serum test that they're going to mix infected blood with blood that's not infected and see the, you know, see the, um, the, the chemical change or whatever. Um, and like basically without going too much into it, it's kind of useless in the book because one of the people that they start with happens to be infected and none of them knew that. Um, so like the serum test is kind of pointless. Um, and then they do the, the, the blood test. Um, but I think in the, in the book, they do it with electricity instead of fire. Um, which is kind of something that happens in the fifties movie that they like electrocute that monster at the end. Um, but like the book is, um, you know, it's this like paranoia. Who, who is it? Who isn't it? Um, And the 1950s movie didn't know how to do that. They didn't know how to make this threat that was this existential thing that could have been anybody, um, which was why they kind of made it into this, like, Frankenstein monster or, you know, vegetable Frankenstein thing. Um, uh, But, you know, by the time the 80s rolled around, like, John Carpenter felt like he could do this and he wanted to do, you know, he wanted to do the book that he he loved. Um, And... uh, yeah, you were saying that the the spaceship, you know, the the Norwegian footage is is basically almost the same thing as the 50s movie that they circle up around that spaceship, they find the spaceship, they're like it's this big, you know, blah blah blah, you know, oh, here's the hole in the ice. But with this movie, with the 82 movie, the choice to have that done by that Norwegian team and for to start the movie with the helicopter and the dog, I think is so smart because the action is already happening by the time you figure out that the thing is among them. Like, you know, like the, the differences that this movie made, I think is what makes it so compelling that you still get the spaceship. You still get, the you know the creature that the creature burst out of the ice because they go to the Norwegian camp, but the fact that this story is already in motion when they figure it out is I think one of the the best parts of it. I loved the fact that it was too late by the time I realized what was happening, which is not something that always happens in the movies, you know, especially looking back at something at this vintage of just like. Uh, you you the the movie will show you the monsters here and then you're watching everybody else react to it i didn't realize the monster was among them until it was too late and they, the same thing happened to them and i thought that was a really i thought that was a very impressive feat that they pulled off here you're right like i looked at that whole opening scene as it was, I was so completely wrong about it because it didn't look like it, it looked like, you know, here's this innocent dog. Clearly, these are assholes hunting a dog. But it wasn't that at all. And by the time I realized that, it was too late. And I thought that was, I, I, I thought that was 
quite brilliant. And when I when I tell you that I did not enjoy this movie, I'm saying it's that I didn't enjoy the content of the movie. I don't like <laughs> I don't like gross stuff. I don't like everything is negative. Like this was just dire. I don't like that personally, but I appreciated how good the movie was. It was a very good movie. Uh, and it impressed me on a lot of tears. Like I just, I just wanted to make sure that I laid that out. That I appreciate this movie. I just did not enjoy it because it goes against everything that's in my brain. <laughs> I like there to be some levity, and there was just like, wow, this is this is this is dire all around. There's no, yeah, no. I, this is this I, is this I is mean, this is dark. <laughs> I guess I can understand that to a certain degree. Like to a certain extent, I don't like horror movies either. Like certainly a lot of the newer horror movies where it's just like. You know, and and now we're going to edit in a weird jump scare, you know, like and like newer horror movies. It's not even like jump scares. It's like weird, creepy junk in the back. Like that seems to be like the new trend. And like, I don't love that, um, but I don't know. I love I mean, I think I think I have a certain uh, place in my heart for slasher movies just because they're so goofball. Um, but like this movie doesn't feel like any of that to me. It feels like no. a psychological thriller and a marvel of cinematic mastery. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is very impressive, and it's a. I very much appreciated the lack of jump scares because that's something. Jump scares, I, I, I hate them. It's my most hated of all things in movies. I would rather watch Sing 2 than a movie with jump scares. I mean, I think I went I think I went to the Sea Signs with you and Gina and Paul and uh, I walked out of that movie cuz it was like this is just cheap jump scares and I freaking hate it. I'm out. I don't want to see this. With nothing to do with it. Um obviously, you know, some movies that I love have them in it and this was one of those situations where like they didn't cheap out on jump scares. Everything in this movie was earned and I really appreciated that. I don't, so I I kind of agree with everything you're both saying, but I kind of disagree with it. I Modern horror movies, I the thing I feel like they rely on too much is like, uh, is gore porn. Like, if it's like just showing me a bunch of like gore, that doesn't, I, I don't mind gore, but that's not useful. Like, I feel like they rely on that. And they do overly rely on the jump scare. They do overly rely on a bunch of other stuff nowadays because I feel like they find they they see something work once and then they they run off the edge of the earth with it. Um I don't mind jump scares when they're when they're done well. If you're if you're implementing it appropriately, uh good job, you know. Um the as far as this movie's uh you said everything's dire and negative and like at the end of this movie, so everything's dire and negative and I feel like the end is such a triumph of human spirit. Like, I love, and I, I get how you could see it either way. You could be like, this is a real negative ending. I'm like, it's not a negative ending. This guy, Kurt Russell, uh, he, McCready, whatever, he redefined the victory conditions. He didn't ask the other side. He was <laughs> like, I, I make my own damn game. I'm not, you know, you came here to play chess and I'm going to play baseball. Go fuck yourself. Uh, and my game, you assumed my game was I want to live. My game is I want you to die. Yeah. And he did that. 
So he well, won. He sat down. He was like, I won, motherfucker. You, well, and then he's looking at the other guy. And he's like, you might be the alien. You might not. Doesn't much matter now because <laughs> you're dead. And my game wasn't to win. My game was to make sure you didn't leave here. And guess what? You ain't leaving here. Well, I have a lot to say about the end of the movie, but I'll, I'll, I'll save that for the end. Um, I, uh, you, you mentioned a couple things. You mentioned gore porn. Um, and you mentioned, uh, oh, you mentioned M- McCready, <laughs> McCready making his own rules. I think this is, uh, this kind of ties into sort of the next thing I want to say, um, which is, uh, when this, when this movie came out in 1982, it was not well received. Um, uh, this, this really? movie came out two weeks before E.T. came out. Um, People decided they did not want to see a gross, disgusting, creepy alien. That they wanted like a happy, fun time alien. Um, and uh, ET's pretty fucking gross and disgusting. I'm not just throwing that out there. Yeah, but he's he's endearing. Um, and he, he's in, he's he, he's endearing. You know what? The thing could have been too. We don't know. Nobody stopped to ask. Oh, I. <laughs> we think, don't know what that thing wanted. I th- oh, I think I, I think its intentions were very clear when you look at the movie. So, um, so so. Uh, yeah, people thought people thought this was gore porn. People thought that he sacrificed the story and the characters for the shock value and the grossness of the special effects. And I could not agree with that less. I think that the characters are incredibly well constructed in this movie and I and I think that also one of the coolest things is that he he says so much about them without uh without letting you know too much where you would know who's acting out of character and who might be the monster um Sean always brings up his his Jurassic Park thesis right about like about in 1993 like that's right about when special effects stopped being a problem right um I think a lot of times I bring up my my back to the future thesis that I think that like back to the future is the best written movie ever. Um, and it's because I think they like, I think there's so much that they show you like that you see and you hear that drives the movie forward plot wise, you know, not everything has to be dialogue in a scene. Like there is so much expositional information fed to you in such a, in such a, um effective way that it just keeps the story going until you get you know the next thing you need right like like it like think about the opening of back to the future right how like they could have just done credits over a over you know mcfly skating behind the truck right but like instead like he walks in and you see all doc's weird inventions and you see the newspaper articles and then the tv says the thing about the stolen plutonium and then you see the plutonium under the bed like there's so like there's so much you know just by the first couple you know minutes and i think that like everything that he gives you with these characters says so much about them like macready if this isn't an analogy for the movie the first time you see macready he's playing that chess game and then he he claims that the chess game <laughs> cheats, and he just dumps he his whiskey in. It. You know <laughs> what I mean? Correct like, me up. Like, how expensive was that machine? And what else did it do besides play chess? And he just fucking roasts it right there. Right, but 
But like that's exactly what Sean just said, right? Like like you thought we were playing chess and I was playing baseball, right? Like like you know, m- m- like the the thing thought that it was playing by a certain set of rules and McCready's like, "I don't care about your rules. I'm going to dump my drink in the motherboard." You know what I mean? Um Gary, the first time you see Gary, he like knocks that window out to shoot at the Norwegian guy. So, like, you already know he's incredible shot because he can shoot a Norwegian in the eye from 60 yards away or whatever, you know. <laughs> but, like, you also kind of see that, like, he like he's in charge. He's kind of a dick. Like, he's... He's trigger happy. Yeah. That was the thing that came jumped out at me. Like, this guy is waiting for an excuse to use his gun. One of the other guys, it's a throwaway line, but one of the other guys, like, as there's a bunch of stuff going on, he's like, oh, Captain finally got to use his gun or whatever, a colonel or whatever he called him, right? Right, yeah, yeah. And, like, these guys aren't in the military. That was So that told you so much. It told you about the guy with the gun, but it also told you a lot about the guy saying the line because he's being sarcastic and, you know... Uh, you know, there's important stuff going on. And he's still taking pot shots at this guy who's a little uptight, a little bit rigid, a little bit uh, uh, quick to fire a gun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I it, it I I can't agree more. Uh, and and you know what? The 1950s one is a good uh, parallel to that. But I mean, in the 1950s, everything was exposition. There was so much exposition in old sci-fi movies. Um, so I'm not blaming that one specifically. But when you when you look at both of them, you're like, yeah, they they got so much character work and world building done with so little uh with with so little dialogue and so little waste yeah i mean i i could go on and on Nalls the cook with the with the boombox playing stevie wonder and he's on the roller skates and the guy tells him to turn it down and he turns it up um clark i think is the most clear like that that dude just loves his dogs like when he walked yeah. in there and saw the that blair had taken out the dogs like you know the look on his face yeah. says it all um and uh and so yeah i th- like i think i think they're all i th- i think i think he gives you so much to identify with these characters and let you know who everyone is and how this base works together and what kind of personalities you're up against but i don't think he gives you so much that you don't know who's acting different um and my example is um uh, pa- patient zero is either um, it's either who is it? It's either uh, not Windows. It's the guy with the the denim jacket who was on the couch and he turns after they touch his blood with the thing. Or right. uh, it could also or be Norris, the, uh, the guy whose chest opens up. Right. Um, Palmer is the other guy. It's either Palmer or Norris who is patient zero. I happen to think it's Norris. I have my own reasons for thinking that. Um, but like at one point when when it when he clearly is one of them, they offer Norris the gun. They're like they're like who sh- who should be in charge? Like and they all vote for Norris. Norris should be in charge. And like he goes no no guys, I'm not comfortable, you know. And like at that point we don't know if that's in character or out of character for Norris, but we do know that it's in character for the thing that the thing doesn't want to fight. It wants to slowly spread and infect everyone. Like it will do whatever it can to hide itself and preserve itself and not, not get everyone's attention towards it, you know, 
but then when it gets people alone is when it spreads. So like, I don't know. Like that's just, uh, I, I think it's fascinating the thought that he put into how much he, how much he gives so that you don't know who's who. Agreed. Yeah. All right, let's keep moving. What's the next part of the movie? <laughs> well, um, I guess if I'm crossing off my list of things from the beginning of the movie, I'll just say um, I was I was surprised to see that spaceship at the beginning of the movie. Like, that's a thing I didn't really remember, um, that you see the spaceship. Uh, like, I don't think you need it. Like, I think it's kind of stronger when it starts and it's just the, the helicopter and the, and the dog. Um, but the the kind of the thing where the um the the background sort of burns away and you see that iconic lettering that says the thing um that's something that they also did in the 50s one so i think john carpenter was trying to pay homage to it but uh that is done with a fish tank full of smoke and they wrote the thing on the back of the fish tank, there's like letter, you know, cut out lettering that says the thing and they pointed a light at it and then they put a plastic trash bag over the back of it. So they burned huh. away the trash bag with a match and then the, you know, the lettering kind of burned away and you saw that like smoky lettering that said the thing. So it's just another one of those things where we attribute so much to computers and like this, like this was the shit they were doing. Like they were like, you know, get a trash bag and a match, you know, or <laughs> like, or they were like, how do we do this monster? Like, let's get some latex and some wax and some KY jelly and some mayonnaise and some fire. And we're going to burn it all up. You know what I mean? Like it just, it blows me away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I... I do love the lettering in the beginning. I agree with you. I don't think you needed the UFO in the beginning. I'm not exactly sure why they did that. Again, maybe just to pay homage to the original, but I, yeah, I would have just let that go. What what's some what's some stuff from your list, Chris, cuz I'm going to I'm going to go on and on, man. Well, I mean, the next thing that I wrote down uh, cuz like I was riveted by the movie. Like I stopped taking notes for the most part except for when some, you know, something truly absurd happened and that didn't happen very often because, like you were saying, the characters were all very believable. There were no caricatures. Um, we all, uh, the, me and Karen and Greg all commented when the guy told him to turn off that music. Like, who the fuck tells you to turn off Stevie Wonder? Like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> but uh, the next thing that really jumped out at me was um, when Wilford Brimley's doing the autopsy. Um, He's he's just in there with a pair of rubber gloves and nothing else. There's no protection going on, no glasses, not so much as an apron. This is a weird alien mutant. He's just like, nah, fuck it. These gloves are good enough. Let's see what's in here. Let's go digging. I thought that was hilarious that on a lot of levels, there was a complete lack of any safety standards for like anything uh, on this base. And I don't know if that was... It struck me as like kind of doodly or if that's just kind of the way it was because of budgetary constraints, but like the autopsy in particular, like this isn't, why is he even letting other people in the room? They're not even wearing a mask. Like, holy shit, you're dissecting an alien and Wilford Brimley's just like caution to the wind. 
I'll get this shit all over my clothes. I don't care. I don't know what it is, but fuck it. These I got rubber gloves, so my fingernails are covered. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, the I think part of that, I think we overestimate. We think that. I think that we are comfortable in our current standard of how the world works and assume it's been like that for much longer than it actually has. Like, I don't think cleanliness standards and, uh, you know, biological contamination, you know, other than at the highest level in like, you know, the CIA, you know, who's down in Georgia, the, uh, uh, CDC, the CDC. Rather, uh, the CDC or something like that. I think if you go back to the 50s or 60s uh, or even 70s and walked into a hospital, I think you'd probably be appalled at what was going on. And this is like 82. <laughs> so so yeah. that is a stone's throw from the 70s. And I'm pretty sure if we walked into a hospital in the 70s today, if we traveled back in time, we'd be like, yo, this is fucked up. Like, I, we just assume we've had a handle on this, but we really haven't. We were doing things... Definitely into the 30s and 40s and 50s, we were doing things very wrong. In in World War II, they were giving guys bottles of crazy glue. That was liquid stitch. You would just pour that in open wounds because it would stop the bleeding. That's not okay at all. Like that was that was in your pack in World War II, 45, right? So I know this is 82, but it's yeah. I don't I don't know. I think that. I think a lot of that is just the 70s were not as advanced as we like to believe they were. Also, Wilford Brimley just had to get, he had to get in there because he was like, there's Quaker oatmeal in this creature. <laughs> <laughs> bust it open and have some. Everything like about the safety standards were like, I get that. That's, that's 80s. It was like, I cannot imagine being anyone during any time period. Like even when you lo- watch really old sci-fi movies, there's usually like glasses and an apron at minimum when you're about to cut into an alien. They're just like, at the very least, I might want to wear this shirt again. And Wilford Brimley, he didn't even have long sleeves. He's just like, fuck it. I'm going for it. I don't know what this is. And I'm just going to slice them up and find some oatmeal. <laughs> well, Chris, since you only watched it yesterday and didn't have a chance to go down a rabbit hole, what? Like, what did you think about Wilford Brimley? What did you think about his character, his, um, his tactics? And then, like, like when, like, when and how do you think he became assimilated? I don't know. Um, I figured that when he was in there busting up the machines and everything, that was him he wasn't assimilated yet. He was just trying to stop this from spreading. That was his way of kind of just making sure that nothing leaves here. Agreed. But sure. Uh, but as far as when he actually gets assimilated, I, I really don't know. I have absolutely no idea. So there's, there's some controversy about this and I think it's because his character acts so paranoid for most of the movie and kind of for the things that you're saying that he's like doing that autopsy and he's in there touching things and that, you know, at a certain point they go, you know, they say, Ooh, like we don't know how this thing spreads. We should all eat out of cans and we should be careful and not share food or drinks or whatever. Right. Um, I, uh, 
so so the the one of the reasons I think that um that Norris was patient zero that Norris was the one that was um that was assimilated by the dog um is Norris was the one that got bit under the table, right? Norris was the he one had, he was who was the one got shot. He was the one who had a heart attack and then when they went to use the defibrillator, his chest opened up and like ate the guy's arms. Right, right, right. The like curly. I assumed guy. the first guy that got was the guy who got bit by the dog under the table, right? Because he had the gunshot wound on his leg, and then you heard like him, "Ow, dog!" or something like hit where he was cut open. And I assumed he was the first one. Mm, is that Bennings? I don't remember. (laughs) I don't remember who he was. So, but so sorry. I can. I'm I'm asking you, but I know a lot of this. I the the patient zero was either Norris or it was Palmer. Norris is the dude whose chest opened up. The guy, the curly haired guy, and Palmer uh is was the like smart ass asshole guy that was always smoking weed. Um, uh, you know, he was he was like an engineer or something like that. He wasn't one of the scientists. Um, but uh, um, I think it was Norris. Um, so again, like there's there's so much controversy and like nerd talk about this online. Some people think that um, Palmer couldn't have been the thing because after after the the dog infects that person, where you see the dog walk into the room and you just see the shadow. Um, mm-hmm. Which, by the way, that shadow is like a completely different actor than anybody in the cast. Like John Carpenter mm-hmm. didn't want you to know who it was, so he didn't want to use any of those people and see their shadows. <laughs> he, he That's found awesome. A, yeah, he found a totally different guy. Um, but anyway, uh, after that patient zero gets infected, there is that one scene where Palmer and Childs are like watching, watching a game show, like watching a game show on VHS and sharing a joint. Like some people are like, Oh, well they shared a joint and Childs passed the blood test. So Palmer couldn't have been the thing. I agree with that for, but not for that reason. I just think like they were roommates, you know, they were, hanging out in that room alone after somebody got assimilated. I think if it was Palmer, then Childs would have been next. That's just my theory. Um, But, you know, there's people that think that, like, Wilford Brimley's character became assimilated because he, like, touched stuff or because he was in there with the pencil and then he put the pencil near his mouth or whatever. Like, oh, did he get infected slowly? I don't think that's what it was. I think it was either Palmer or um, or Norris when people were bringing him food when he was when he was uh, exiled in his shack there, like in the tool shed or whatever it was. Like I think somebody infected him in a you know when they were when they were going to visit him. Um, I think somebody assimilated him. Oh, like the I only think, I think the only hard- reason I think that is because like there's like there's all this like controversy like does it spread that way and like I don't think the movie shows us that it does like I think the movie shows us that like the the thing needs to be alone with you and it needs time and it needs and it like it's like a gooey gross attack thing like uh like 
there's even some things where um like where Bennings runs out in the snow and they go, Oh, it wasn't finished assimilating him and like he's got that crazy hand and those dark eyes and he like makes that moan noise. Um right. like like I think the way that it spreads is a attack and not like, oh, you got a booger in your nose or you know what I mean? Like I think it I think it spreads a so certain there way. There was one there was one subtle shot. Uh, when uh, and I don't remember which time it was. One of the times they go out to see Wilford Brimley, uh, he's got a noose. Yeah, you caught that right. Yeah, he's just, I noticed he's made that. A, yeah, he's made a noose. So, look, I mean, it for all of us who've played Secret Hitler or Resistance or Donner Dinner Party or any of those, you know, uh, you know, who's the secret bad guy board games? You know, there is a there is an art certainly to overselling your lie um but i don't know i i can't see the thing preparing a noose to me that's wilford brimley as a human knowing that shit's getting bad and he might have to take himself out if he thinks that his only option is to become an alien or take himself out so i think wilford brimley the human uh, trashed those radios. I think most people are in agreement on that. Yep. And then I think Wilfred Brimley, the human, made that noose while he was in the shed. And then I think... And then look, what... after that, one of those two guys assimilated him because then the next time you see him, McCready goes out there to check on him and he goes, let me come inside. I just want to come inside. Like, which is the opposite of what he's been saying this whole time. The, like, mm-hmm. as a paranoid guy, he's been like, keep all these people away from me. You know, and then he's like, I've had enough. I want to come inside. And like, I think between those two scenes is when one of those two assimilated him. Agreed. And then he built that. We solved it, Internet. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) He he built that little spaceship down there, um, which like when I like when I saw the movie a long time ago. Those were some of the things that I thought like didn't hold up. Um, like I always thought the spaceship looked too, I don't know, like looked too like silly, goofy spaceship, like something that like Marvin the Martian would be like riding around in. Right. But like I don't know, this time when I watched it, I didn't feel that way. Like uh, I just kind of was like, I was like, all right, like this, this creature is stranded here. It's now it's now kind of exhausted its options, right? Like these guys are onto it and it knows it's not getting to civilization some other way. And so it's it's starting to make its own plans. And like and it you know, I guess like that's what it could make, right? Like and I guess like, you know, because it's it can morph and grow arms and stuff, it could probably like do it pretty quickly. You know, like if like it like if you were a mechanic and you were on an alien planet like and there was like machines and stuff that sort of evolved like ours you probably couldn't build like a car but like maybe you could build like a pretty cool like go-kart you know what i mean like, <laughs> like I, I don't know i bought it this time when i watched it yeah i i bought that completely that that didn't bug me at all i was like <laughs> oh oh he's trying to build a ship to get out of here and that's when, like, I've made the joke a couple of times, but, like, what what did the alien, what did the thing want? Like, I know you say that he wants to assimilate, but, like, to what end? What's the end goal? Like, 
was the goal to assimilate because that's how it needs to survive. And then it was going to attempt to communicate in some way, shape or form. Like, I mean, it seemed like it was, it, it seemed like it had ill intent, but it also seemed like there was never an opportunity for it to not feel under attack because of just the thing that the thing, the thing that fascinates me about just the concept of aliens is that everything could be different. Like on a most, the most basic levels could be completely different. So, I mean, what seems horrifying to us could be just like a fucking Tuesday for this alien and being like, why are you setting me on fire? This is how you do this, right? This is how we talk to one another or something like it. The fact that there was never any degree of communication with the alien made it somewhat more scary to me of like, well, of course we have to burn this thing. Like this is horrifying what's happening right now, but there is never any discussion of what, what the thing's ultimate goal was. Like what was the point of it doing what it was doing besides survival? Like what, what happens beyond survival? Clearly it was sentient enough to have space travel, right? There's spaceships. So it's part of some sort of civilization. But so what was I didn't its think it was purpose. so uh I thought McCready when he when he when he did his little blood test and he pointed out he's like when I saw the head run around it occurred to me I don't think this thing is is a cohesive thing I think it's made up of a bunch of little things that all have this survival instinct right and part of this thing's uh evolved survival instinct or survival uh skill set like a chameleon can change its colors to match its surrounding. This thing can like eat other cells and take on their form. Right. And part of that, clearly uh, it can take on uh, your brain. Right. And, and it has your memories. Right. Cause when it did assimilate people, it was able to speak and act, you know, human enough. Right. So it's clearly taking on their memories, uh, you know, at least at some level where it can, you know, function. Right. Or, or maybe not their memories, but their mannerisms at least. S- something right i mean it was able to it was able to talk and and like you know it it wasn't walking around like when it did assimilate somebody they weren't walking around like oh what's what's this you know thing on the ground here for oh a chair do i wear it on my head like no they they understood i don't know whatever the person understood to some extent right right um so my thought always was that it it didn't build that first ufo my thought always was that it had assimilated some species that had built a ufo like oh so this is a this is some sort of alien parasite thing right that because killed whatever was in there to each begin little with. part is just trying to survive that little blood thing if it was if it was a cohesive being when kurt russell burned it it wouldn't have jumped up and did what it did because it gave away it gave away it's the, the rest of its person so this is just like a a, a very cooperative collective Right, uh, like the Borg on a cellular level, right? They're all working together, but they are all uh, they are all trying to survive, and it's taking on the the knowledge of everybody it eats, and it's taking on the form of everybody it eats. And again, you said ill intent. I don't know. Do we have ill intent when we eat a cow? I don't think we have ill intent. It's you know, I think it's a survival issue. But if you're dealing with a creature whose only or at least primary goal is survival. Well, then you're kind of automatically pitted against it, right? It's you know, and and it's its primary goal is survival because it wants to do it quickly and effectively without being found out. 
it it doesn't want a conflict it doesn't want them you know i mean it can you know grow tentacles and like open its head and eat people and stuff but like it doesn't want to do that if it doesn't have to it wants to spread slowly and effectively um you know i guess that's like it's biological imperative to just keep keep spreading um and i guess that's where my question comes in because like okay it at what point was this alien shown anything but hostility because of where it landed <clears throat> i mean these are all dude bros that were their first instinct is kill you know kill the thing like that there was there was never anything but hostility once it was found out yeah, but it like and i'm not it copied their friends you know like it didn't exactly go, like, it's it didn't i'm go, not saying hey, it wasn't I... justified yeah i'm just saying like the thought process could be maybe wherever that thing's from, that's just normal. And I, I, again, it's it's just a weird thought exercise. Whenever I think of like the the concept of alien life, it's like, well, we could be wrong about literally everything. Things that could be terribly horrifying to us as a species could be just the most average thing in the world to them for who knows what reasons, you know? And, and that's that's kind of where my mind went with this whole thing. Uh, half jokingly but also kind of like a, a, a just an interesting thought exercise like i don't blame anybody for reacting that way like none of the char- of course the characters would react that way because everything seems hostile but there was never any the fact that the alien clearly didn't want to always do these things maybe the reason that he didn't that it only wanted to spread and get the fuck out of there as quickly as possible because it knew it was in danger because it knew there was no way it was going to be able to communicate with these people. Like it came and did its thing and then saw how they reacted and was just like, okay, these people are not rational. This is, this is not a society that we can, that we can mess with. We need to get out of here. You're not, like, not the scientist from the 1951s movie. It in the book, um, uh, this this was something they also didn't use from the book in any of the other movies or iterations, and I and I think it's probably good because um, it's stupid. But there was this thing <laughs> from the book where like it could only assimilate something that was smaller than it. Um, so because it only had enough cells to co- like if. If it tried to assimilate something that was bigger than it, it didn't have enough cells to copy every of their cell. So, like, that it, in the book, that's why it went to a dog first, because it was smaller than the humans. Um, and then, you know, there was some left over where it could go to something else or whatever. Which, like, then you get into, like, really weird math equations of, like, how the thing spreads, um, which would have been weird. Uh, but, um... Sean asked me to uh, talk about the 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 2011 one, the the prequel. Um, I I did watch that because I uh, like I saw it when I when it came out in the movie theater, and mainly I saw it because I love the original. So I was like, of course I'm going to see this prequel. Um, and uh, I, I remember I remember enjoying it. Like I remember. Like, like it wasn't going to win any awards or anything, but I remember feeling like it was like a perfectly enjoyable way to spend an afternoon. When I watched it this time, after I had just seen the 82 one, it does not hold a candle to it. Like, it's just 
checking boxes. Like the the CGI stuff looks really CGI and it doesn't look cool. Like it doesn't look like a cool monster. It just looks I think you see so much that it's it you know with with this they were trying to hide the effects that they were trying so hard to do with bubblegum and mayonnaise and KY jelly and stuff. So like it was in like low light and it was shot a certain way, you know, now that you can use computers, they just did like, they're just like, Oh, make tentacles come out and make his chest open and eat that guy. And it kind of was crappy. And then also like, it's just checking boxes. Um, like it's like, Oh well, at the Norwegian camp, we need to have an axe in the door, and we need wait, 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 wait. You know, you got You got to synopsize it in thirty seconds for Chris and the listeners. Um, okay, <laughs> that uh, in the prequel, um, the Norwegians are uh, driving a, a snowmobile across a glacier. Uh, it falls in this pit. They find the spaceship um, uh, because we need an excuse to speak English. They go to America and they get um, an American doctor played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And she comes out with a helicopter full of other American people that take her to the Norwegian base. So then there's some Norwegians and some Americans there, which is why everybody's speaking English and you can understand the movie. Um, and it's all the things you didn't see. They they take the creature out. They thaw it out. Um it busts out of the ice and up into you know up into the roof and it's actually a movie where there's no mystery of what's happening like we all saw the creature break out um they do try to like disguise the actual look of the creature when it's in its creature form um uh like you see tentacles you see some like stalk like things but you never really see what it really looks like um, and it eats some people and they're scared of it. Um, and then it starts assimilating people and they figure it out because it can't, it can't assimilate inorganic material. So like they find some, um, some like fillings on the bathroom floor and it's like, well, it copied every part of this person, but it couldn't copy these metal fillings. Um, so that's kind of the test they use in the prequel one. Um, but I think the reason why the prequel one does does not jive with with John Carpenter's is like sometimes the th- it'll be a situation where someone will where things will be heightened and people will be arguing and it's like who's the thing and instead of the thing trying to hide it will just attack which is not what it did in um in the John Carpenter movie so i kind of i maybe I, I it kinda, learned what maybe it learned you know, oh, maybe it's, it's an it's an adaptive creature. You know, so oh, I don't know. I guess my, I don't know. I guess it annoyed it, me, so I didn't think of it that way. My thought on it was similar to yours, uh, it, more so towards your initial watching. Uh, oh, so Chris, at the very end, uh, you see the dog escapes the camp, and the two Norwegian guys hop in the helicopter and chase after it. That's that's how the the movie ends. Right? And there's one Norwegian guy that they make the point of saying he doesn't understand English. So the whole time you're going, all right, well that guy's going to be in the helicopter. <laughs> sure. Adorable. Sure, but the. Uh, uh, so when I watched it, uh, it doesn't hold a candle to the first one. I knew that the first time I watched it, but, but, uh, it occurred to me, and especially this time as I was, I was thinking about it, I was like, 
they made a sequel and fleshed out a little bit, gave some, you know, whatever you want to call it, world building or whatever, to uh, a movie that I love, right? That I've I've watched every decade of my life at least once, uh, if not 20 times. And, uh, you know, have enjoyed on multiple levels at multiple different stages of my life. I, I watched this movie first when I was a little kid. I was probably like, I, I was... I watched horror movies and sci-fi movies when I was like six, seven, eight years old. It was not appropriate. So like, I'm sure I saw, saw this for the first time when I was like seven or eight years old. Um, what's that like 88 or something? It was on VHS and you know, boom, loved it. Uh, the anytime. Oh, so, so they make this movie and I think this is the key to anytime you're making a prequel, a sequel, a you know, a side quote, whatever it is. Right. Uh, this movie, the 2011 one, in no way, in my opinion, harmed the 1982 one. I enjoyed every bit as much. They didn't do something stupid where I was like, well, that doesn't work with, you know, this or you, or you, you know, you did this and now this character and the other one sucks, you know, whatever it is, right? You didn't harm your core material in any way, shape or form, right? Uh, you, you fleshed out. Uh, you know, a, a part of the story that probably didn't need to be told, you know, the leading into it, right? And uh, like you said, it was an enjoyable way to spend an afternoon, right? So was it an amazing movie like the 82 one? Absolutely not. Uh, did I enjoy it when I watched it? I did. I sat there and it was, you know, it was a sci-fi horror movie with some special effects and this and that. And you're right, this effects don't hold a candle to the, the, the one that came out 30 years earlier, which that's just messed up. That's the Panama Canal situation we were talking about earlier all over again. Like, <laughs> how did technology not get us? What, what, where's my flying car? Um, but the, so you didn't hurt what I love in any way, shape, or form. You gave me a little more to watch that isn't nearly as good. Um, so you fleshed it out a little bit and you, you preserved the good parts. And if you can do that in, in any of these franchises or in any of these, you know, movies, uh, I, I think it's okay. You gave me something that was moderately enjoyable, but I think the key, I think where, they, where a lot of times they go wrong is when you start doing things that affect, hurtin or ch- hurtin, <laughs> affect, hurt, <laughs> or change uh, the way I view the thing I already loved. That's what you got to be careful of. And I thought that the prequel did a great job of, it, you're right. It just it sat there. It checked some boxes, right? Um, but I think checking those boxes is important. You know, it put the axe in the door. It got the the guy who didn't speak English onto the helicopter. Is it gimmicky? Is it obvious? Did you see it coming? Sure, but they did it, and now it didn't hurt me when I rewatched the '82 one. And you know, you gave me a little bit more, a uh, little bit more of the story that I didn't have before. Thanks. Well, so- that is the most important thing to do in a prequel. And I promise I won't go on a long segue, but it's one of the things I hate so much about the Star Wars prequels. If you're going to make a prequel to something established, especially something as well-loved as this original movie, your first and foremost thing is to do no harm to the original content. You can't make the original stuff worse by doing whatever the fuck you want. Like, if you're going to tell a prequel, you have to be careful to do it right and to not make your existing material worse and that was i understand the prequels have their fans the the star wars prequels but that's what has always bothered me about them is all the bullshit that they did that was unnecessary 
And what you're saying about this prequel not doing anything like that and ticking those boxes and not in a way that was like, well, shit, we've had three movies and we've got about, we've got a lot of ground to cover. So, uh, we're on the, we're on, uh, we're on the white ship. Uh, we got to get Luke and Leia in the two different places. Like, go, go, go. Come on. We got five minutes left. Get it, get it all done. Um, yeah. The fact that this was done intelligently, that that I find very impressive. Yeah, you, you, you're right. The Star Wars uh, prequel stuff is a, a little bit of a rabbit hole. I, I'll, I'll just say that I always felt like the movie in my mind, um, watching the originals, thinking about what happened before it, was better than the prequels. Like... <laughs> I always assumed because they say it that uh all right Obi-Wan trained Luke and Yoda was Obi-Wan's master you know uh-huh. and then you see the prequel and you're like who the fuck is Qui-Gon Jinn who's this guy <laughs> and then when you find out that Yoda just ran the Jedi daycare you're like well that's not <laughs> as cool as I thought it would be um but uh Vader built 3PO that was <laughs> so it breaks so much why would you do that <laughs> um uh no speaking of giving you a little bit more um uh all right so there's a prequel but did you guys know that there is uh I won't say a sequel but let's call it like a John Carpenter blessed continuation in the form of a video game I did know that. I was a that was a big deal when that came out. I knew there was a video game. I did not know it was a continuation of the story. I figured it was just uh like I'm you know, like remember Cliffhanger the video game? I mean it's, other than so tacking funny, on... I just I just watched Cliffhanger last last night and it was awful. <laughs> anyway, go on. Other than tacking on a fist fight with a helicopter, you're basically just running back through the movie, right? I mean I know right. that's 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 even bold to say about that game. But like you're not continuing the story you're you're letting someone play the story right so i assumed that's what the thing game was it's weird that i'm the guy that knows the thing about the video game in this case um but uh yeah the thing video game was for the ps2 um and Mm -hmm. uh uh came out on ps2 xbox and pc sure what chris said um (laughs) and uh and well i played it on ps2 um but yeah it did it picks up where this story left off. A, a team of Americans comes to, you know, Antarctica, comes to these research bases to, like, figure out what happened, to investigate it. And I think there's two helicopters worth. There's, like, an Alpha and a Bravo team. And one goes to the Norwegian site and one goes to the American site. And, like, you know, you kind of have to, like, there. there's a lot of, you know, things that are in a video game, almost like Resident Evil or Silent Hill, where, like, the monster, you know, the thing jumps out at you and you got to kill it or it's behind the desk or it's behind the door or whatever. Um, but I think there was also some like quote unquote puzzles, you know, like get the key out of the drawer so you can open the medical room and get the blah, blah, blah. Um, but there's things that you see from the movie. Like you see uh, <laughs> Keith, Keith David's, uh, uh, you know, frostbitten body in the snow that he is, uh, you know, that he froze to death of hypothermia. Um, you hear, you find McCready's um, uh, uh, recording where he's, you know, recording on that tape player and making his chronicles. Um, there's some other stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I, I don't know if it, it doesn't, the ending of the video game doesn't really answer for you who was the thing. Like, when you get out of there and you escape, 
you're picked up in a helicopter and you're picked up by McCready. And it's like, oh, did McCready survive or was McCready the thing? Um, but like, it's kind of, it's, I guess he wanted to make the end of the video game as ambiguous as he made the end of the movie. Now I got to go play this video game. Yeah, that seems to be the, the general consensus. I mean, I didn't know anything about the plot, but I remember I was working in video game stores when this came out and I remember this being a really big deal that it was uh, endorsed by John Carpenter and um uh I think I think see. his voice is on it. I think he did a voice on it too. John Carpenter. He has a cameo appearance in the game according to Wikipedia, yeah. Yeah. It was even there was actually going to be a follow-up to it too, but the uh, company that made it Computer Artworks uh went into receivership in 2003 and I don't think it recovered. Um but it was a uh, Konami handled the the the, the the console versions of it. I'm trying to find the uh, the information on the writers, but I'm not seeing it on this site. But I I remember this being a very big deal uh, when it came out. There were I had a lot of customers that were like, "Is it good?" Like they were terrified that this was going to be bad, but they were also really excited because it looked very good. Yeah, I mean, looking back, I guess I've loved every part of this at every stage of its life because I played the video game, I watched the prequel, I did I did all the things. <laughs> you did all the thing things. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much we have left. I have three TV shows I have to mention. Oh, Can anybody I got, guess any of them? I got like two or three more things on my list. What? Uh, sorry, what TV shows you got to mention that have to do with the thing? Two of them. Oh, I don't know. What are you going to say? Well, first of all, watching it this time, uh, and this just makes sense because uh, what a great show. Uh, Stranger Things definitely got the design for their their like flower open head creature from this oh my movie. god yeah the demogorgon i was like i spotted that i was like oh shit that's a demogorgon but then i thought <laughs> about it for like two seconds more i was like oh yeah stranger things is just like look i love the show really love the show but there's been few things in my lifetime that have pandered to uh like 1980s uh what do you call it nostalgia right there has anything ever pandered to nostalgia more than that show and don't get me wrong not as successfully i there's a lot of things that pander it. to that constantly but they don't do it as successfully as stranger and things. stranger and things well i love it i mean the ghostbuster references the i mean the the they they certainly the 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 writers as well as the set designers costume designers everybody involved in that is clearly spending their off time just watching 80s horror and sci-fi right so clearly they watched the thing and that thing was the demigorgon at the one point i was like oh yeah that makes perfect sense and i and i appreciate that they grabbed it right so there's that one mm -hmm. the next one i can't believe we haven't mentioned this yet uh, and chris uh, i assume you made this connection there's the episode of X-Files that was blatantly just a ripoff of this. Oh, yeah. I think that one was called Ice, right? Yeah. Where they find like an a, a organism in the ice. And X-Files did this a couple times where they just ripped off like a, a horror movie or a sci-fi movie <laughs> or whatever and then just did it themselves. But they're... Ah, God, and I love X-Files, so I, I don't say this in a bad way either. Uh, they just... They ripped things off so well. That episode of Ice captured so much of what was great about this John Carpenter movie minus the ridiculous special effects um, that I, I could watch that episode that, that's probably top three or four episodes of X-Files for me like that and Swarm and one or two others that's, that, that's as good as X-Files got it might have been early season two or something um, 
But I mean, it's, you know, a bunch of people up in the ice and somebody's infected and we don't know who, and maybe it's more than one person. And I think it's them and we'll lock them up over there. And here's a test. And like, it's just like, oh, you're remaking the thing. Good job. Um, and they really did do a great job with it. Um, if you don't remember that one, God, go go rewatch Ice. That's such a great episode. X-Files. I would actually like to because I don't. I I've forgotten oh. so much of X Files. I vaguely remember it. Like I know I know what you're talking about. I know it was an episode, but it was in the I first have, season. And the slugs get in so their ears, few... and Mulder thinks it's Scully, and it's not. Oh God, it's so good. I have so few memories of uh, like actual like memorable memories of that show because I had only ever seen the episodes once and even then I didn't see all of them because I really liked the show but I was constantly torn of being like do I want to watch this episode because I don't like horror and then I like sometimes I would just bounce and not watch an episode but now that I've seen the thing that seems like a fun thing to go back and watch let's, get, definitely let's get together definitely. and marathon it Marathon what? All of the X-Files? X-Files? All of the X-Files. <laughs> I, I just, I rewatched it like three years ago. I rewatched all 10 series, seasons in the movies because Jacqueline had never seen it. And we, we sat and watched them all uh, right before we moved here. So I guess I was, yeah, it was about three years ago. Uh, and it's, it, you know what? I mean, sure. The last season or two are, it, it hurts. It, it falls apart a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, not to say that, you know what, like, uh, there, there's a couple of good episodes in those later seasons, uh, especially when they, they got back to the one-off format, like when it wasn't tied, bogged down in the conspiracy. So the last two seasons are a little rough, but there's, there's a couple gems in there. Um, but yeah, uh, I, it holds up. I mean, X-Files season, especially seasons like one through four, I mean, they hold up strong. I didn't, I didn't like it when they came back, like like a couple years ago. Those two for like two six. Seasons. Was yeah. it two seasons? It wasn't very many episodes. It was oh a... God, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah the, Karen the and I didn't care for it, that either. The first season of it was only like six episodes, but then I think right. they tried to do more in the second season, and yeah, it was it was not good. So the the six episodes uh, had a couple things in it I enjoyed so much. There was it, it was a little rough. I, again, it was on par probably with seasons you know nine and ten, where like overall, eh, whatever, not not amazing. But there were some gems, and they referenced back to how Scully can't die. And God, it was just so good. She was like, "Remember, I'm the one who can't die," and it just yeah. fucking got me. And I was like, "That's right," because that whole thing. Oh God, so good in the the episode with Peter Boyle. Where he says it, he's like, oh, you can't die. He's like, oh, brilliant. Such a good show. Anyway, that was only two TV shows. The third TV show, uh, I actually can't tie this back into this, but I'm just going to say it. Night Court's back, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to ask you if you had watched uh, the was the first one or two episodes. Two. They are or... two episodes. Uh, I'm, I, I don't have cable, so we're watching it. We, we have an app. I think it's on like Peacock or I don't know, some app we have. Um, and there was two episodes on there, so I assume they've aired two episodes on TV. It uh, will probably get canceled because they they did a great job of making a early 90s, what, late 80s, early 90s? I don't remember when Night Court was out. Whatever, 89, 90, something like that. Uh, they made a TV show from that era, and it's not, it's not, the, it's not the norm or the accepted format or sensibility of a current day TV show. So I'm 84. Fairly... 84? Holy crap. I didn't realize it was that old. Okay. So anyway, uh, the, yeah, this new, I don't know if you guys watched it. I feel like they did a great job of trying to make a late eighties TV sitcom 
and they did it. Um, the jokes aren't hysterical, like the the writers could step it up a notch on the jokes. Not that they're not landing; they're just not, you know, they're you know, it's a bunch of B jokes. Um, so they could they could up the writing a little bit. The cast is fine. The one or two of them are underwhelming. Um, but the main girl's fine, and the uh, Dan Fielding is back. And by God, I, I'm enjoying the crap out of it. Um, I'm sure it'll get canceled, uh, but it's just... Uh, I'm not so sure it's going to get canceled, because it's getting pretty universal acclaim for exactly what you're saying. That it, one, it is, I believe it's actually shot before a live studio audience, with which most sitcoms are not anymore. I don't think any um, are anymore. Yeah, uh, and they actually went so far as to f- film this in front of a live studio audience, and the fact that it is very true to the original, to a fault, uh, people seem to be really responding well to it. It's been getting a lot of positive uh, positive buzz, at least in the, the world that I pay attention to. I'm interested in seeing it too, because I used to love Night Court. I used to watch this all the time. I haven't seen the original Night Court in ages, and I know that... Uh, very depressing number of the original cast is unable to come back due to being no longer living. Um, I feel like that doesn't stop people anymore. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> you hear somebody died and they come out with seven more albums over the next 10 years. And it's like, <laughs> what is happening? I don't, I don't understand. Or six more movies. It's like, but yes, you're right. Most of them are dead, but bull's not. And he wasn't invited back. I don't know what that's about. That's some bullshit. Just CGI them. Yeah. CGI I mean, everybody. Maybe he's got health issues or something. He's got to be old, but I don't know. Yeah, I didn't know Bull was uh, Bull was still alive. And he does a bunch of, he does a lot of, uh, and so he's, he does a lot of voiceover work for like video games and stuff. Um, so uh, he's still out there kicking, but if he's only doing voiceover work, he might not be, I don't know, he could have health issues. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. You got you guys moved on to night court, and I still got more thing stuff. All right, get back to the thing, <laughs> sorry, and sorry. then let's wrap it up. Because <laughs> holy shit, I'm tired. <laughs> but yeah, what else you got? Oh. The only other thing I got is that wow, they didn't kill the black guy first. <laughs> at, or at, well, I mean, they killed one of them, but there was two black guys, but and one the, of them I mean, made it all the way to just, the end. All the way to the end. Yeah. All right. Well, before we talk about the end, because that's one of the things on my list. Um, I guess. Uh, so uh, I, I guess I'd be remiss if we wrap this up without talking about these two more things and uh, uh, plus the end. Um, at, but the two more things are sort of related in that one goes into the other. Um, one thing is, you know, I mean, like, I, I guess I thought, I guess I thought we were going to talk more about the, the practical effects um, because uh, I, I love them so much and I nerd out about them so much, but um I, God, they're so gross. Well, I guess, so I guess the one that is the most famous, most infamous, um, is where uh, you know Norris has a heart attack and they put him on the table, and uh, you know Doctor Copper's using the defibrillator, and it just you know his chest opens up and just fucking eats his arms, mm. um, and then you know the head his head drips off and falls on the floor and turns into a little spider monster. Um, so like that to me is just the most amazing thing without, without computers, you know, like, like, like there's like everything is computers now, you know, like I, I watched, I watched a trailer for like the new, like Indiana Jones movie or something. And 
like I, somewhere towards the end of that trailer, he's he's like in there's like some cars in the street, and he's like hopping from one car to the other car, and like you look at it, and you're like, that's all computers, like like that's Harrison Ford in a big green room in Burbank with like two other green things. And he's hopping from one green thing to another green thing, you know, like, now that's another dude with Harrison Ford's face CG'd onto it. Right, sure. He's not doing that shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but like this movie, like you, you just got to look at it and you go like, they had to get all those things there. Like even the beginning with the dog and the helicopter, it's like, you had to look, go out there and get a helicopter and get a dog, you know, like, you, you know what I mean? Like, like now at least one of those things would be CG. Like, even if they had the helicopter, they're like, oh, we'll make a CGI dog, you know, or something like that. Right. Like, like in, in Last Crusade, like when, you know, when, when Harrison Ford is on that tank and, you know, like they're in the desert and stuff, it's like, well, they had to get a tank and cars and horses and like bring all that stuff out to the desert, you know, like that's why these things from the eighties look so big and, and magical because like, you know, they, they knew that then they just had to do it, you know, and it looks cool. Um, and yeah, with this, with, with this movie, this, the practical effects, like it was like, how do we make this happen? So when they do that, um, when they do that scene where the 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 um, the guy's chest opens up, right? So that's the guy that plays Norris on the table, and they have made a, a they have made a, a rig, they have made a machine that's going to open up like that, right? And it's just his his chest and his legs and stuff like he's sort of under the table and it's really his neck and his head and his arms and the 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 chest and the the rest of the dummy sort of fits you know up you know where his neckline is right um and so this rig that they built into the table opens up like that it's got like hydraulic jaws that open up um and then underneath that like hydraulic jaw chomper thing there was you know probably like a slime cannon and a big fan and stuff like that because after it opens up it shoots all that stuff up it's like a slime geyser right but when um when copper uh puts the defibrillator on his chest and then it it opens up and it eats his arms they got a dude that was a double amputee and they made like fake arms like they made like arms out of like wax and and you know like uh uh, like silicone and stuff like that that when this hydraulic press chomped down on it it would like break these arms you know even so much that it had like wax bones and like fake blood in it and stuff like that and then they made a mask of the other dude the dude that played copper and they put it on this double amputee so a lot of this is the magic of editing, you know, like he, he puts the, his arms on there, the chest opens up, you know, then it cuts to the real guy's face reacting, you know, then it chomps down on his arms, you know, it cuts to his real face reacting. And then in the long shot, it's this double amputee where his arms break off. And like, at that point, you're not really looking at the face. Um, and he's kind of, you know, looking up a little bit. So it kind of disguises it, but like, you know, that sort of always fascinated me, like all of the steps they had to go through to get this thing. Um, and then like the same thing with the head, like the head 
falls onto the floor. So they had to make a, a, you know, they had to make a mold of that guy's head. There must be no less than three heads, right? Because like when the head sprouts the legs and the stalks, it's they they put the stalks and everything and the legs out of this thing and then they pull it down into the floor, right? So it's like it's set up like that bug and they pull that stuff back down into the floor and they just run that scene in reverse. They run the camera in reverse and it looks like this head is sprouting legs and stalks. Um, and then it must be a different head that's like a little remote control car where they're like driving it around the room and stuff. Um, so like, you know, that's like hours and hours and days of shooting. Just that one scene, you know, like just that, just that five minutes of, of screen time, you know, to, to do that effect. Um, like the amount of work that went into it was staggering. And it all holds up pretty well, all things considered. Like movies that from that era generally look a lot worse like you can really see the strings on on things uh, uh not literally always but that just as an expression you can usually see this you know you can see the zippers on the outfits on on some of the stuff from that era and this was those effects were disgusting and off-putting but they were very very impressive yeah john carpenter did not want to see the the zipper on a monster um but uh, yeah, that scene pretty much goes right into the blood test scene, and like, I think that's the only other like, just just being the biggest, coolest scene in the movie. Like that was, I guess, one I wanted to ask you about, like what your impressions of that was. Which one? The one where he the head comes off and runs away, or the one where the chest opens? No. So after after the scene where the chest opens and the head runs away and stuff like that, you know, um. Uh, you know, once they burn that, you know, creature and they've, they've all, they don't necessarily calm down, but they're all still yelling at each other. But that's when, you know, that like the scene right after that is when McCready announces his idea that like, you know, Hey, I had this idea watching this right now that every part of this is its own living being and every part of it would run away from a hot needle, you know, and that they do the blood test. And like, I don't know. I think that's the best scene in the whole movie. Like, I just it, <laughs> I just it, wanted it somebody to much, talk about the blood test. Yes. So look, they, you want to talk about a scene that builds tension and suspense, right? Because we, as the audience, we don't know the outcome. And and honestly, uh, you know, the, they've given you enough that you kind of expect uh, the sheriffy guy, right? I mean, you kind of think mm-hmm. it's him, right? And so does McCready. McCready makes it clear, and maybe that's why, you know, maybe that's the main thing they give us that makes us think that is that McCready thinks it, and he's our guy, right? Um, but uh, the scene does a remarkably good job of. Uh, bringing you into a stressed out situation that they all just went through in the scene before. And now here's a possible solution, but we have to do it one at a time. And, and then you're, you're building stress, you're building suspense. You're, you know, you're in the moment with these people. Uh, The, as you're going through it, they're hitting you with these other emotions that aren't even necessary for what they're doing, right? So they're they're building up to this climax of they're like, who who is it? Who isn't it? You know, and we're we're checking, and you're stressed, you're in it, and then as they're doing that, 
you know, they, they check the first guy. I think the first one they do is like Windows and he's okay. So then there's a relief, right? And even that character is relieved, which is weird because he's human. Why is like, he knew he was human, didn't he? But like <laughs> they test his blood and he goes, Whew. and you're like, yeah, it's just a stressful freaking situation, right? Well, and because then, they don't know if you're infected, if you know no, you're infected. Right, they maybe, don't even know that at that point. Right. Right, so Windows is relieved, right? And you as the audience are relieved. And then he starts testing the dead body people, right? And you find out the guy he just shot in the head was human. And, like, they they go by it pretty quick, but he's like, you freaking killed that dude, and he was straight up human, right? And it's like, well, that's that's kind of like this whole, you know, Pandora's box of, like, dark shit. No time to think about that right now because we're testing the next guy. Here we go. What about this guy? Oh, look, that guy's a monster. And our flamethrowers failed us, right? So, like, it does such a good job of, like I said, building tension, building suspense, dragging us, the audience, into where they are, and then hitting you with so much more so much more than we deserved as an audience. They were just like, here's a bunch of other emotions, and let's just keep it on going. Uh, it, it, it's a phenomenal scene. I I remember watching it and he was like you know the first time it, the the blood shot out and turned into a whole thing that was it was pretty startling. So like then he starts testing the blood again but he doesn't hold it away from himself when he does it. He's like, "All right, time to test this one." And his face is all up in there like, "Let's see what happens." Like, "You just saw what happens. Don't you want to like just hold it away from you a little bit before you do?" Like you now this isn't Wilfred Brimley with with the, the gloves. You have now seen exactly what the consequences are of doing this too close to yourself. Like shit went south in a big bad way. Hold it away from yourself. Do something other than put your face all up in that shit, you moron. Um I'm I'm glad you brought up Sean the 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 killing of Clark, the the murder of Clark, right? That uh Clark tries to take the flamethrower and McCready shoots him. And then when it's revealed, he's not the thing like Childs is like, that makes you a murderer McCready. Um, I, I just, I love the way that the blood test is edited. Right. Because like, you, like you're right. The tensions are so high, but then um, once, once it's revealed that the test works, it's just incredible how quick they are to throw in with him, right? Like, like he just shot somebody, right? And they like, <laughs> they, like you know. But like, then once there's something to unite against, it's like, all right, like McCready's our guy, right? Like, I love how it's edited, where like he tests somebody's blood, they are found to be, you know, that 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 it didn't react, right? And then in the next shot. That per- like they don't show anybody being untied or anything like that. The next shot, that person is standing next to him with a gun. You know, like I, I, I just I love the the efficiency and and just like sort of like symbolism of that. Um, uh, you know, and and it all culminating then in uh Gary being the last one. And have you know being fucking tied up there and having, uh, you know what's his face Palmer, uh, uh, melt before his eyes and like jump up to the ceiling and like have his head open and like eat another guy and then and then you know Gary goes like if you could what does he say uh 
if you if you can manage it, I'd like to not spend the rest of the winter tied to this fucking chair. <laughs> like incredible scene. Incredible. incredible. Also, um I, I am I am told uh that like you know, like when the book was written, um, and it's like the thing could be anybody that you know, because the book was like written in like the thirties or something, that that was like a little bit of a um you know, like a, an analogy for communism, right? Like they look just like us, uh, but like who who is it? Who's a communist? Um, you know, I think when they were making this movie in the eighties, it was like the height of the AIDS epidemic, epidemic, and stuff like that. You know, like there was a lot of this stuff with like, all right, like people look just like you and me, but like what's inside us? What's in our blood? Right, right. Well, what else you got? Oh, just 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 the ending, yeah. Let's, All right, let's talk the ending then. Well, you know, in the fifties one, they 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 defeat the thing. They win. They kill it, and then you know a bunch of people live, right? Like like five or six people live, and they like I get on a radio. Most of them. Like, There's only a handful that die in the fifties one. It's yeah, most of them. Most of fine. them live, right? Yeah. yeah and, and, you know, they're like, we win, you know, watch the skies, blah, blah, blah. That's like, a great line, watch the skies. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think what Carpenter sets up with McCready and, you know, that like, like, oh, oh, you think this is how the game is played thing? Like, you think this is the rules? Like, I'm not above burning it all down. Um, You know, I think... Uh, I think Carpenter's ending is so good, and I love, I mean, I love the ambiguousness of it, you know, I love that it's like, yeah, there's these two guys sitting in the snow, and one of them could be the thing, and we don't know. Um, But it doesn't matter now, because one of them went scorched earth, so maybe one of them is the thing, who cares now? There's been a lot of talk about that, like, is it McCready, is it Childs, Um, and like, also a lot of internet hoo-ha. It's not McCready. He just got like the scene before we watched him throw like the same scene. We watched him throw like a Molotov cocktail or a stick of dynamite or whatever and blow up the thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why um right, like yeah, I I um I suppose you're right. It can't be McCready. Childs maybe. Childs kind of abandons his post. He walks off. It was like where did he go, you know? And then there, there's, like, been some discussion that, like, they're like, oh, you can see, you know, you can see McCready's breath, but you can't see Childs' breath, you know? And it's like, well, it just, like, you can. It's just, it's it's not as pronounced as, um, you know, McCready's breath. Like, there's there's been a lot of people trying to pick it apart. Or, like, um, or that <sighs> McCready offers him a drink and Childs takes it. And it's like, oh, like, is that a test that he he was like, we all said we were going to not drink out of, you know, that we weren't going to share drinks or, you know, eat out of cans or whatever. Um, but it's also like, yeah, like we're in the snow and we're fucked. Like, have a drink. You know what I mean? Like, like there's there's been like every little piece of that has been picked apart. Like, what does it mean? And it's like you could take any of it either way. And I think the fact that you don't know is is like is such a better way to end it, you know, like 
the the and like I think John Carpenter has even said like yeah one of them is the thing but like I'm not gonna tell you who no no it's 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 a great ending uh you know I had a I think I have uh, I have a hard time not uh, look Kurt Russell's my guy right and Carp uh, John Carpenter is one of my favorites and the two of them together uh, I'm in. I, I'm watching it. I'm watching the movie from Kurt Russell, right? Like that's my, that's my, uh, that's the hero of the, of all of these, right? So everything I'm seeing from his perspective. So when I see the end of that movie, like when I just watched it, I see him, I see from his perspective, you know, this guy across from me is either human or the thing. It doesn't matter now. I already won. So whether it's the human or the thing, we're both fucked. Let's have a drink. Like, I feel like I feel like McCready doesn't care. He's like, all right, if you're the thing, let's you know, let's spend our last couple minutes here having a drink together. The thing, uh, if you're childs, then you know, hey, you you want too? Good on you. I, yeah, that that little laugh and that not smile. Caring. That that laugh and that smile that he has plays so well. You know, after they take a drink. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. It's great. And then and then fades out to fires and that like synth bass that comes back in that like boom boom <laughs> like uh, it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> yeah it is without a doubt an extremely well done movie that i did not enjoy <laughs> i so just uh, I, in case that's your first foray into carpenter while most of Carpenter's movies have a uh, a tinge of horror or sci-fi, some of them get a lot lighter. Like Big Trouble Little China really isn't a horror or sci-fi movie. There's some interesting uh, special effects work, but it's you wouldn't call it horror or sci-fi. Like it's just it's not at all like that. Yeah, I don't think I have seen any other John Carpenter stuff, so you haven't seen They Live either? Oh, but if you didn't like yeah. Thing, you probably won't like They Live either. But, oh, God, it's I, so good. It's one of the reasons I didn't see it in the first place. Like, yeah. I kind of had a feeling I knew what kind of movie it was going to be. And even if I appreciate it for what it is, it's, I don't necessarily want, like, that's not what I want to do with my time. No, I, I hear you. There's, there's lots of stuff like that that, uh, like, um... There's all kinds of like dramas and and crime stories and stuff like TV shows and movies that I'm like, look, this is good, but I tried to watch Mad Men. Everybody said it was great, and I I watched a couple episodes, and it's really well done. I get that it's really well done. I have no desire to watch that. It's just it didn't do anything for me. I was like, this is now I don't want to spend my time like this. Happens with me with video games all the time. I'm sure Horizon Zero Dawn's a great game. I've tried putting about an hour into it, and I was like. This is not for me. It's very well crafted, but it's it's not for me. Not everything has to be, and that that and right, that's fine. Sure. And I am really glad I watched this movie because of how you know important of a cultural milestone it is, and it really is a good movie. But it's it it just happens to be in a genre that is not to my liking. All right. Well, I'm sorry More if I sorry if I went down nerd nerd rabbit holes. Chris, no, everything you... you said was fascinating, yeah. and and I was I'm very interested in the movie. Like, and now that I've seen it, like all the stuff you were saying is was very interesting, and I almost wonder what I would make of it 
seeing it for a second time because now I know what's going to happen. I know what's, I know that there's no silver lining. I know that there's no happy ending or, and I know who's going to live and who's going to die. I almost wonder if I would be more interested in seeing it a, a second time, but you know, I'm I'm watch as I'm watching the movie, and I'm like actively not enjoying myself, but also like part of me is because it is, it was riveting. It was it was very interesting. It was there was never a point where I was bored by the movie. It was just like, God, I don't want to see this. Like, everyone's gonna die. Like, there's no, there's no there is no good ending here. Like, it's the the best ending is that it doesn't is that it might not get away. It might not go and destroy the entire world. That's the best possible but ending. But that's here. what I'm saying. Kurt Russell's like McCready's he it was a good ending. It was a happy ending. It was a it was a it was a Wizard of Oz ending. <laughs> well but but the whole thing didn't they how was the th- if the thing was one of the two of them, how was it not going to survive? Like wasn't the whole thing like in the cold, the thing is fine. It'll just hibernate again until somebody else shows up. Yeah. So, yeah, I know it doesn't make a lot of. Sense. I did catch that this time. I was like, you know what? I mean, he blows up the ship, okay, and he and he burns everything up. But yeah, if that guy is the thing, then it, it will just freeze into the ice. Um, and it didn't make a lot of sense. But, but we don't know. We don't. But we know. don't know. You know, so like. I, I, again, there's there's options, but leaving it ambiguous is like, did they win? Yeah. Didn't they win? Is one of them the thing? Is one of the are they both, you know, human? Like we don't we won't know, and that's that's like that's all you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. yeah. All right. Well, so uh, mixed mixed bag on this one. For, well, I don't, I don't even know if it's a mixed bag. Uh, me and Paul no. certainly think everybody should watch it. Chris seems to think uh, people should watch it, but you didn't love Absolutely. it because it's Just, not your genre. I, that that's it exactly. I, I this gets a this gets a big thumbs up for me. I can't say this is bad. Like I just can't. It it was good. It's it's just not not my flavor. Sure, and Chris. I appreciate you taking the journey. I mean, I do say that it, like every time you watch it, it just gets better. So like you know, <laughs> there's that. But like you're right, not every movie for is for everyone, and not every video game is for everyone, and not every video game can be Goat Simulator. So that's true. Um, so there, there's your, there's your review. Goat <laughs> All right, we got to figure out a U movie and go to bed. Oh, Paul has Paul has to address Hollywood first. Oh, and oh. Then... Dun, 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 dun. I'll ad- I'll address Hollywood quickly. Yeah, I'll um I'll I'll give you time, Chris, to put in your magical underscoring of my address to Hollywood, but I can tell you it will be quick and direct. I'll just say, related to this movie, The Thing, um, that the guy that did the special effects, his name was Rob Bottin, um, and he's the one that came up with, you know, the the effect that I explained, the... Uh, um, the jaws that chomped off that guy's hands, you know, like all of the, all of the tentacles that came out of dogs, dogs breaking open, people's heads breaking open, like, you know, he he's the one that um, was sort of the magic behind this. In Hollywood, and, you should foot the bill for his therapy. Well, <laughs> y- yes, Sean. Uh, when this sh- shoot was over, and this was a grueling shoot for him, you know, sometimes ten hour 
10, 12, 14 hour days, um, uh, him having to like reset effects that took multiple hours. Sometimes he would sleep on set. Apparently like he put his livelihood into this movie. And when it was over, he was hospitalized for 11 days uh, with like a psychotic break and like a stomach ulcer oh. and like all kinds of other like health problems. My joke um, is poor now. Just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I would say to Hollywood is like, take care of your people. They work hard. Like give them what they're worth and like make your days humane. But like also like practical effects are cool. We don't have to have everything that's like green warehouses in Burbank, right? Like, I feel like this movie shows you that, like, this stuff can still look cool 40 years later. Like, you know, let's, like, let's cool it with the computers a little bit, Hollywood. Like, give us, give us more cool effects. So that's my address to Hollywood. Amusingly enough, amusingly enough, there is a, a chunk of Hollywood that is moving in that direction, and it again started with Star Wars when The Force Awakens came out, and J.J. Abrams and company decided to use as many practical effects as they possibly could, and the reception to the movie was—I mean, it was a massive success. There were a lot of TV shows and movies that started to take notice of you know what, practical effects are awesome, and if we combine them with the technology that we have now, we can do things that we couldn't even have imagined back in the day. I mean, do you remember when Force Awakens came out? I, I remember the first time I saw that BB-8 wasn't a visual effect. Like, that blew my freaking mind. Like, I remember seeing the trailer and just assuming that was CG, because what a weird design. And then I saw it a physical thing rolling around. It's like, you have got to be kidding me. That's insane. And now you see that in modern uh, Star Wars productions and other productions are starting to lean a little bit more into using practical effects when they can and when they can afford them. Because you're right. There is so much value to that. There is so much value to, um, you know, the the modern technology that is involved in uh, in CG and everything. And in fact... Not again to not to dive too much into Star Wars because I'm a lunatic, but like that whole expanse thing. I think the expanse is that what they call it. I don't remember what it's called. The 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 volume. That's it. They created for uh, Mandalorian of like this new kind of way of green screening that's much more tactile is like super cool. But then Andor was like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're just going to use sets, and that show feels so much more real because everything's actually there, and you you are starting to see more of that uh, in modern stuff. I, not enough. I agree that more things should be practical whenever possible, but the fact that there is a movement towards more practical effects, uh, I think is extremely heartwarming and wonderful. Here, here. Slauncha. Word. All right, let's talk about you movies. It is time for the letter U. Uh, who wants to go first? All right, so... Um... Yeah, to be fair, I haven't put a lot of thought into this. I was so wrapped up in this movie because I was excited by it that I I think my U was a little bit of an afterthought. But um, 
yeah, my you movie is gonna piss off my wife. Um, <laughs> but I think it's okay because I have a plan to make it up to her later in the alphabet as we we come to the last couple letters. Um, but yeah, if we pick it, she won't like it. Um, there are it has an actor in it that she doesn't like. Um, there are two actors that she doesn't like, and I don't know why. One of them is Russell Crowe. She doesn't like him. Um, and the other one is Kevin Costner. Uh, so, like, when we went to see uh, the, the Superman, what was it, Man of Steel, where, uh-huh. like, uh, Russell Crowe was, was Space Dad and Kevin Costner was Earth Dad, like, I didn't tell her that they were in the movie because I, I knew she wouldn't go see it. Like, like... I was like, you want to go? Like, it was like, what do you want to do? Like, uh, like, let's see that Superman movie, you know? Like, who's in it? Like, don't worry about it, you know? And like, when it started, and like Russell Crowe was all like, oh, I know I'm Space Dad, you know? Like, then she's like, oh, and I was like, oh god, just wait, you know? And then like, <laughs> they they get to Earth, and like, Costner's like one of the first people you see. I think he's like chastising the, you know, like clark for like saving that bus or something like that like showing his powers and like he comes on screen and she just goes (laughs) i was like oh i shouldn't have shouldn't have done that um so yeah she doesn't like kevin costner and he's in this movie um the movie has kevin costner it has um connery sean connery uh andy garcia robert de niro you know what it is sean Oh yeah, that was one of my two choices. Remember, I said I had two U movies picked. This is one of them. Yeah, so the that makes it easy. Yeah, Untouchables is my U movie. All right, that was my backup choice. So I guess uh, that's off the table. Oh that my was my. God. I didn't think anyone primary. was going to choose this. You guys both considered this. I'm, I thought I, Chris I'm might not have seen it. I haven't, and we were talking about that. When, um, me and Greg were talk, looking for U movies afterwards, and this is one that came up. It was like. Yeah, that's that's a possibility. It's not my it's not my number one U choice, but it is if if for some reason my number one U choice was picked by one of you, which I don't think it's going to be. Uh, this was my backup. I'm going to go next in case my backup is Chris's primary. Now that you've knocked out his backup and my primary in one fell swoop. Oh my god! I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, my backup in in, in case Untouchables got picked, which it did. Uh, Uncle Buck. I just haven't watched it in a while. Uh, yes. Nice. What a great movie. I was like, what if somebody else goes Untouchables? I should have a backup. Let's go Uncle Buck. Fantastic. I feel like great I'll have show. a lot to say about it. I haven't watched it in a while. Uh, love that movie. All right. Well, mine is, uh, I love this movie. I must have watched it like five or six times when it finally came out on video back in the day. Uh, it is Chris Pine and Denzel Washington on a fucking train. It's called Unstoppable. It is one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen, and I absolutely love this movie. It is just awesome. I haven't seen I, it. I, I, I'm aware of it, but I didn't see it. I God, rem- so remember good. it. I, I don't think it left a lasting impression on me, but... Um... Oh my God, Karen and I must have watched this. We watched it so much, because it's so dumb, and it's so fun. Oh my God, there's like a half an hour de- dedicated to just like making one turn. Oh yeah, my god. I remember that. There's a lot oh. about like here comes the turn. Shit, I mean, it's a turn. We're going too fast. We gotta slow down the train. How are we gonna slow down the train? The fucking turn's coming. Oh, god, I love this movie. Ah, uh, yeah, unstoppable. It's my it's my you pick. You know what I, I almost went with was uh there was a movie apparently came out in like I don't remember now, like two thousand nine or ten or eleven. It was it wasn't very old. Uh 
just called the U movie. And when I started looking up movies, <laughs> like I first typed in U movies or whatever, it, the, there was a movie that just came out that was called the U movie in 2010. It won some awards. And I was like, oh, I have no idea what this is. Maybe I should just blind go with it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think these are three fine U movies. Uh, I haven't seen Unstoppable, but, you know, hey. There's new experiences, there's good experiences, there's old experiences, you know? <laughs> All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. God, I'm not. Uh, I need two red, seconds to red find leader this standing text. By. All right. Three, two, one, launch. According to my phone, my vote went in first. Oh, my God. All right. Untouchables it is. What's wrong with you guys? Stop picking my movies. <laughs> Nobody voted for Unstoppable. What I, the hell? But it, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to watch that shit anyway. I, I, thought, <laughs> I might watch I thought, it anyway. I thought Sean's was a shoe in. Once uh once you said Uncle Buck, I was like, Yeah, I could like Uncle Buck. And then I was like, That's that's obviously I don't know, I feel like we don't pick Sean's enough and I was like, That's a great pick. I'm sorry, Sean. I it is a great pick. I love Uncle Buck. I honestly the only reason I picked Untouchables is because I assumed you guys want me to see it. Like It it was my primary one. That's what I was gonna go with until you went if I had gone first, I was gonna say Untouchables. And uh the reason I was picking it is because I feel like it. It's on par with, like, where we yell at Chris for not seeing, like, Jaws or Rocky or something. Like, it's really that good a movie. Like, I'm I'm not saying it's better than Jaws or Rocky. I think Jaws and Rocky are probably better. But it is, it's a phenomenal movie. I haven't seen it in probably three or four years. But uh, it's one of those movies that I've seen 20, 30 times. And every time I see it, I'm like, this is how you make a movie. Like, this, they did everything absolutely right in this movie. Sherry's going to be so pissed off. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Um, I think that was that was one of the ones that Greg was pretty pretty excited to see on the list. Uh, so I think Greg will be happy. And uh, isn't that what it's all about? That's, Greg really happy. The end of- that's why we do it. <laughs> all right, so that's uh, that's your homework, everybody. The Untouchables will be back in one month to talk about our U movie. And uh, I'll probably watch, try and find a way to watch the train movie as well, because it's been way too many years since Karen and I have watched that stupid movie, and it was a good time. Highly recommend it. I just watched Uncle Buck, I think, last year, too, so, so I also wasn't itching to see it again, because I've, I've seen it pretty recently. I'm probably going to watch movie. it anyway. This is a good movie. <laughs> you should. It's great. It absolutely holds up. John Candy's masterpiece of a person. Here's a quarter. Go downtown right. and have a rat it, and all uh, that thing It's off late. Face. It's time to wrap this shit up. <laughs> <laughs> I just think about that giant pancake all the time. Like, I have a pizza peel. I should, I should really do that one of these days. No, I shouldn't. That's a terrible idea. But anyway, a theater near you is part of the Geekade Podcast Network, and if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. We can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. If you'd like early access to this podcast and several other on the Geekade Podcast Network, check out the Geekade Patreon, linked to in the show notes. There's also apparently going to be an entire uh, webcam thing-themed uh post going up. I don't know if you guys have been shooting video footage, but uh, yay. Uh, It helps keep the show running (laughs) and our, our site shiny and clean. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time in theater near you.
You know, when I was a kid and got a hold of a nickel, I thought I was rich. I didn't turn up my nose at pennies either. Today, some folks won't even bend to pick them up. Well, here's a bowl of steaming Quaker oatmeal. And I can't think of a healthier way to start the day. Cost you one nickel and four pennies. So if you can't be bothered with nickels and pennies, throw them in a jar. Start an oatmeal fund, Quaker Oats. It's the right thing to do. Not too expensive either. <laughs>